Night Owl Live, the show for PC users who can handle the truth. And now, here's your host, Gene Steinberg. This portion of the Tech Night Out Live is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website or online portfolio. For a free trial and 10% off your first purchase, go to squarespace.com, use the offer code TECHNIGHTOUT. This week on the show, we'll be featuring Stephen Baker of the NPD Group and Brian Chaffin of the Mac Observer, on the Tech Night Owl Live. We have Stephen Baker from the NPD group, and he always has sage analyses to offer. Because amongst... <laughs> you see, now I've, I've boosted his ego, and he's just going to leave us now. Okay, let's look at a story you did at the NPD group blog this week. It's entitled, It's a Sad Day for the PC Industry. And let's frame the situation, but focus on the fact that Sony is getting out of it. Yes. You know, Sony has always been, to my mind, a leader in design and form factor advancements, um, thin and light, cool-looking products. It's kind of a sad day to look at this and say that they can't be successful in this business, developing and selling you know, really high quality, really good stuff. And frankly, you know, if you go back, they were one of the I won't say the first, but, you know, in the mid-90s when all the today's PC companies basically decided to jump into the consumer business right around Windows 95, they were, you know, one of those guys who made that leap. And, you know, what's that? That's almost uh, 20 years now. And, you know, we should always look at companies leaving the market and wonder wonder why. It's a great time for a little post-mortem. Correct me if I'm wrong, maybe you don't remember. The original Apple PowerBook 100, this is after they have, of course, the Macintosh Portable, which was decidedly less than portable. The PowerBook 100 was supposedly assembled by Sony. Is that true? Oh, yeah. You're, you're not something I would remember. <laughs> that would probably be, what, early 90s? That's um, right. Yeah. Can't help you with that one. I know Steve Jobs admired Sony, and there's another published report that came out, you might have seen it, where they claim that Steve Jobs went to Sony and asked if they would make Mac clones, notebook clones, with Mac sure, OS X. This is I, not in the sure. 1990s, but this was like in the early 2000s. Yeah, I think we've heard that in the past. Um, I don't know that that's a new rumor, although obviously kind of surprising, given the first thing he did when he came back to Apple was basically kill all the clone guys uh, right off the bat. Again, you know, Sony is and remains a very admired company that does some really great things. Uh, I think the challenge they continue to have is that while they have a and still have a great brand, their ability to execute against the brand properly has been challenged. And that's clear in the PC market and the TV market and, you know, a number of other categories where they, you feel like this is a place where they should be successful and they just haven't been able to make the leap from being a niche kind of, or getting out of just being a niche player back to where they were before. Okay, so what's happening here is they're selling off this division, the PC division? So what they're doing is they're selling the Japanese 
business to this Japanese investment firm, um, and the rest of the business in, in outside of Japan is apparently just being uh, closed down, and they're not going to develop anymore for the VIO in overseas markets. Kind of makes you question, well, you know, how viable can they be in just one market as well? Certainly, today's PC market demands scale and demands more than just a focus on. Why one of the larger markets demands more than a focus on just one market. Well, obviously what Sony was doing was trying to provide premium PCs. The VIOs were always premium PCs, well-designed, very reliable, always had a lot of the innovation in the business. Apple seems to be just about the only company that can make premium-priced personal computers anymore. Well, so I'll take that one step further and say that the real challenge is in the electronics business as it gets bigger and bigger is one of scale. Your ability to focus on a typically a high-end niche has declined over the last few years. And companies that are successful in these great big categories, and whether it's PCs or printers or televisions or a bunch of other places we can talk about, cameras, to be successful, you can't just be the guy who makes the very expensive product. You have to find a way to leverage your brand so that you can be successful up and down the stack at the entry level, at the mid prices, and at the high level. Being successful at the entry level doesn't mean you have to compete with every single ultra low cost competitor, but it means you have to have competitive products that take advantage of your brand in those kind of price points. And we see this, for example, in the TV market today, where when you get under 40 inches, very few of the major TV brands are really willing to compete at the 32-inch level. They have either backed away or they do what Samsung does, which I think is a smart strategy, which is we're not going to sell a television for $150 or $179. We think our brand is worth more. We're going to be at 229 or 249 and we're going to make that work there because we think that's what people want from our brand. And again, we see this across the board, but to be successful, you have to be I believe in all the different price points in these mega categories, and you need to be able to provide products that satisfy customers across all of those things. That said, as you point out, Apple's been the outlier in that regard, where they've been able to be successful by focusing, for the most part, not exclusively, but for the most part, on premium products. Well, Apple tends to have slightly lower-priced products, but they're not low or cheap price. It's like the Mac Mini is $599, the MacBook Air is $999. So they play in the mid-price tier, perhaps, or slightly above average. In PCs, I would argue they don't. Those are premium price products. Sure, but for thin and light PCs like Ultrabooks, the price differential isn't that much. They're premium price products, uh, regardless of how you look at it, in my mind. Okay, but Apple won't play that game except for the $49 iPod. But is the problem here also, if you're trying to have too wide a product focus, profits are squeezed at the bottom. That hurts a lot, too. You need volume and you need profits. You can't just focus on one without the other. You can't let financial decisions make your product decisions. You have to go to the market with the right products, 
with the right strategy. And when you do that, you will be successful. Of course, finding the right strategy and the right mix is difficult. Obviously, Sony didn't do it. We can look at the state of the PC industry before we go back to Sony. And that is, for the most part, PC sales are dipping. Microsoft, now they've got this new guy as the CEO. But we have Bill Gates sitting there as technical advisor looking over the guy's shoulder. Before we get into anything else, that's got to feel really, really difficult for this guy, Mr. Nadella. Because it looks like he's not being granted the independence if you got the co-founder sitting there watching you. Well, that's not how it's being portrayed. That may be how you're interpreting it, but that's not certainly not how it's been portrayed. It's been portrayed as he specifically asked for Bill to come back and work with him a little bit more and for Bill to be a little bit more involved in the company than he has been in the past and welcomed from everything that's been written or talked about, welcomed the idea that Bill Gates would be there to help him through some of these transitions. And in fact, Gates gave up some of his responsibilities by giving up being chairman of the board to be able to have more time to work with Mr. Nadella. So I'm not sure I would agree with your characterization there. We have Stephen Baker of the NPD Group. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. You know, folks, I have a close relative who has been trying to set up a website. He gets his domain, looks great, but what about the site? What does he do next? Where does he start? Well, Squarespace, it's the all-in-one platform, makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website or online portfolio. Squarespace offers 24-7 support. And it's cheap. It only costs as little as $8 a month. You know, really inexpensive to set up your professional website. And you can start a trial with no credit card required. Build your website today in minutes. When you decide to sign up for Squarespace, make sure you use the offer code TECHNIGHTOWL. That's TECHNIGHTOWL to get 10% off your first purchase and show your support to the Tech Night Out Live. We thank Squarespace for supporting our show. Check them out at squarespace.com, squarespace.com. Mandibosal here for Midas Resources. Today, February 6, 2014, gold opened at 1262.80. A one ounce gold coin can be purchased for 1308.92, 654.46 for a half ounce, or 327.23 for a quarter ounce. Again, that's 1308.92, 654.46, and 327.23. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? Wait a sec. Gold and silver is going up while Congress is trying to settle on the next debt increase. And there's no end to this madness. That old 401k and IRA can be converted into physical gold without tax consequences. I explained this in my book, 10 Reasons to Buy Gold. Don't let time slip away. Call for your free copy today, 800-686-2237. Get away from that Washington spin and get honest answers about gold. 800-686-2237. The book is free, 800-686-2237. 
great news, pure water lovers. BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com has a special discount offer for all GCN listeners. You can't do better than a Big Berkey for economy. For only 1.7 cents a gallon, a single set of filters can last for 5 to 10 years. There's none better than a Big Berkey for emergency preparedness as a backup water source. And you just can't beat a Big Berkey to remove dangerous chlorine, all types of fluoride, pathogenic bacteria, cysts, parasites, and unhealthy byproducts from municipal water. Berkey water filter systems are even powerful enough to purify stagnant pond water. For the gold standard in water filters, get a Big Berkey at BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. And all GCN listeners get 5% off all ceramic filter systems. For details, call 1-877-99-BERKEY. That's 877-99-BERKEY. Big Berkey Water Filters, for the love of clean water. It's no secret that silver is one of the oldest known natural antibiotics, but the mainstream media will never tell we the people this information. Why? Many drug companies and politicians have dangerous alliances that manipulate the way we live by prescribing drugs that only manage disease, keeping us dependent on big pharma. And with Obamacare at our doorstep, we are now forced into a system that many of us do not want any part of. And no man or government has the right to dictate how we as free people choose to take care of our health. The patriots at utopiasilver.com hold this truth dear. Colloidal and ionic silver supplements from utopiasilver.com open the door to a whole new world of natural healing for the body and the mind. Visit utopiasilver.com and discover the safe and effective health benefits of colloidal and ionic silver. Call 888-213-4338. 888-213-4338 and talk to the patriots at utopiasilver.com, a leading source of natural healing using colloidal silver, colloidal gold, minerals, vitamins and herbs. utopiasilver.com We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, please send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. If you'd like to discuss today's show with fellow night owls, visit our community forums at forum.technightowl.com. That's forum.technightowl.com. On the Tech Night Owl Live, we have Stephen Baker. Of the NPD group, we've been looking first at the state of the PC industry. Sony getting out of the business, bye-bye Vio, except for selling the Japanese division to another company. We have Microsoft with a new CEO. Do you know much about him? He's a guy who, of course, has been working with the company for 22 years. He works with the cloud and enterprise division, ladies and gentlemen. Seems to be a nice guy. They say he's a low-key, really personable kind of person. He's not as polarizing as like a Steve Ballmer. But what do you think? Is this just somebody who's a caretaker for what Microsoft is doing because he's a company insider? Or do you think he gets the freedom to do something new, change things? Well, I believe he has the freedom to change things. But in that same voice, I would also say that while there's a lot of people screaming for changes at Microsoft, I think most of those voices are misplaced. They have a very strong cloud enterprise business for all the the complaining about Office not being on lots of other devices. Office continues to be a very important product for them. You know, where they need some help and where they really need things is in their consumer 
areas and thinking about what's the value proposition in the consumer area and how can they leverage their enterprise strengths into the consumer market. And that's why I think having somebody who knows the enterprise, because frankly, that's a lot more complicated in many ways than the consumer market, and maybe can help explain and figure out how to get those enterprise technologies into consumer, because that's clearly where the market is going. All these things are going to come together and congeal as one. You know, I think having somebody who knows the more complicated side of the business may help them as they try to be a little bit smarter and more effective in the consumer markets. Well, first of all, I guess the surface look at him is he's more of a nerd than Steve Ballmer, who came out of sales. His master's degree is in computer science, but he also has an MBA. Good background. Again, Microsoft's a pretty complicated company, uh, trying to do enterprise and consumer in the same place can be complicated. Um, they've tried, I think, in the last reorg to try to start to split some of those up. But you need a bridge. Again, if you look at things like bring your own device, you look at all the enterprise technologies like the cloud that are rapidly migrating to become both enterprise and consumer technologies, they have a lot of those assets and they need to find the right mix of how to make those work both in the enterprise and in the consumer markets. Now, I read one analysis, and you could take it with a grain of salt, suggesting that if Microsoft, for example, were to release Office for the iPad, they'd make more money from that than they make from the Surface tablets, and that maybe Microsoft should be emphasizing selling their products everywhere. Whatever platform takes it, go ahead. You know, I mean, I certainly have seen that, too. I'm not sure I would compare selling Office to selling the Surface. I don't think that's not a very accurate or logical comparison. But I do think that when he looks out at what kind of things should Microsoft be doing, that's clearly an area that they need to think about. You know, what's the future and how do they approach consumer operating systems and consumer devices and how can they pull consumers into their ecosystem properly. You know, I'll, I'll add that while everybody is screaming at them for putting Microsoft technologies on iPads and Android, you know, Apple has a lot of things that are only on Apple technologies, and they tend not to put their products on other ecosystems. So I think there's room for multiple thoughts here. And I think it'll be interesting to see what an enterprise guy kind of brings to the consumer marketplace. Interesting to see what happens with Nokia. Now, let's look at what happened with Google and Motorola Mobility. They tried that for, what, three years, and now they're sending that off to Lenovo. So was the right decision on Microsoft's part to acquire Nokia's handset division? Is this going to work for them? Uh, well, obviously, that remains to be seen. I think that, you know, Microsoft looks at the landscape and says that there is some considerable value of being, you know, an integrated hardware and platform company. Certainly, Apple has been pretty successful at doing that. You know, Google, after a little bit of a dalliance with it, has made the decision that they don't think that that's the long-term right thing for them to do. You know, certainly Apple, who obviously 
melds hardware and software together better than anybody. Certainly, they're not going to change anytime soon. So, you know, I think for Microsoft, with Nokia, with the Surface, with some of their other hardware products like the Xbox, um, you know, they really need to think hard about, is this the right way for us to go? And is this uh, a way that we can take the great products that we have and get them out to the most people in the most efficacious fashion in the best hardware and, you know, build up a great, a great ecosystem beyond what they already have. And the lesson from Motorola and Google is that when you do that, you know, you need to understand your channels, you need to understand the impact on your partners, and you need to take all those things into account and, you know, think about where you're going to go with that. Uh, you can make a pretty good argument that Microsoft has a lot more hardware skills than Google has. You know, being a web company, being a, a, a tools company, you know, until very recently, Google really didn't dabble at all in hardware. And, you know, for years and years, Microsoft has been, you know, at the core of so many PCs and servers, et cetera, that there's certainly a considerable amount of hardware knowledge at Microsoft that they can leverage. So this is a better thing for Microsoft to do than it was for Google to do. I think it works better in Microsoft's thought processes and I think in their business model. Again, not 100% sure it's the right thing to do yet. Uh, certainly on the phone side, they really don't have a lot to lose given you know their, their difficulties there. But you know the Surface has been a challenge for them and the, their, um, how they interact with their partners around that has been, you know, a real source of, um, you know, dismay around the entire uh, Windows hardware ecosystem. So, you know, Google didn't have to face that necessarily since, uh, you know, they really only had a couple of hardware partners. And I think after a while, it, it kind of turned out that they were better off as the back end and not necessarily as the guy who wants to take in all that hardware uh, costs. We'll get into more of this in our next segment. I'm going to want to ask you here that recently Google and Samsung signed a cross-licensing agreement. Now by shedding Motorola Mobility, does that even further establish Samsung as the once and maybe potentially the only major Android maker, since they're doing so much better than everyone else. That's just a theory or a question. We'll get more in it in a moment. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Not just an alternative to the mainstream media. We're the premier independent talk radio network. We are GCN. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. 
Attack of the Rockoids, and The Coming of the Protectors. Classic science fiction at its best. Available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. We all know that Berkey Water Purification Systems are the most trusted name in water filtration. As an authorized Berkey dealer for over six years and serving thousands of satisfied customers, the Berkey Guy offers amazing specials for Berkey Water Filtration Systems. The Berkey Light Systems include a set of self-sterilizing and recleanable black purification elements that purify water by removing chlorine, pathogenic bacteria, cysts and parasites to non-detectable levels and remove harmful chemicals such as herbicides and pesticides. Order the Berkey Light System today, complete with two black Berkey elements for only $231, and the Berkey Guy will ship your order free of charge. With the purchase of a Berkey Light, the Berkey Guy is also offering a set of fluoride and arsenic filters for only $39.99. That's over 30% off the retail price. Call the Berkey Guy at 1 886 3653. That's 1 886 3653. Or order online at goberkey.com. That's goberkey.com today. It's time for a home security quiz. What effective home security device is smaller than a coffee cup, fakes out burglars into thinking someone is home at your house while you're away, plugs into any wall outlet, is recommended by many police departments, and sells for less than $30? Yes, it's fake TV. This year, about one in every 50 U.S. homes will have a break-in, with burglars usually picking the easy target, a dark house that looks like no one is home. Fake TV is a small electronic security device that makes it look like someone is home watching TV by simulating the light from a real TV. Fake TV could be the difference between coming home to a secure house or one that's been ransacked. To get your fake TV for only $29.95 with free shipping, go to faketv.com or call 1-877-5-FAKE-TV. That's 877-532-5388 or go to faketv.com. Fake TV, the burglar deterrent. There are many things the human body can do very well, but maintaining the proper pH level isn't always one of them. That's where AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops can make a world of difference. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops helps your body do what's natural. Just a few drops a day helps rid your body of harmful waste and acid while promoting health and restoring vibrance and energy. Alkalizing boosts your immune system and can help fight headaches, irritability, cramping, and insomnia. Alkalizing also helps the body fight depression and even bone loss. To learn more more about the importance of alkalizing and how you can find life-changing and vital balance, please visit AlkaVision's brand new website at AlkaVision.com. Same great products, but now easier to use and more informative than ever before. To get your very own plasma pH drops for just $29.95, call 800-518-7615 or visit AlkaVision.com. That's A-L-K-A-Vision.com. Alkalize your body and supercharge your health at the new AlkaVision.com. Live with Gene Steinberg, it's the Tech Night Owl, because you never know what's going to happen next. Hi, the Tech Night Owl Live, Stephen Baker of the NPD Group, joining us, and I'm asking him because he knows about this stuff, with regard to Samsung and Google and it looked to me for a while that Samsung was more exerting its independence from Google by barely mentioning Android at the rollout for the Galaxy S4. 
Now that we've got this cross-licensing thing, we've got Google getting out of the handset-making business. Does that mean closer cooperation with Samsung? Does that set up Samsung as even more of a force of Android? And how do other companies react to that? Yeah, I think clearly Samsung is far ahead of anybody else in terms of uh, you know the, the use of Android on consumer devices. Um, They've been spectacularly successful in phones. They're the leading Android tablet guy. Chromebooks have been a big success for uh, Samsung on the, the PC side. Again, that's you know their ability to partner and work with Google. So you know, looking out, I think it's hard to see where the partnership is going to split. I I think Google needs them because there really isn't anybody with worldwide presence and a worldwide ability to develop hardware that takes advantage of the best things that Google has to offer besides Samsung. Um, Everyone else kind of pales in comparison in terms of size, reach, breadth, and capabilities. And, you know, I think at this point, they're pretty much joined at the hip. You know, we, you could argue, though, that one of the things, and maybe it's pretty smart, that Google did was making sure that they sold Motorola to someone who could eventually challenge Samsung so that Google would not be so dependent on Samsung to be its hardware partner. And given the progress that Lenovo has made on phones in China and other geographies, given their strong PC market, their tablet business, you know, they were a logical place for Google to go to try to strengthen and create another uh, counterbalance against Samsung. Does Lenovo have the ability to do that with smartphones? They sell smartphones in Asia. And does the Motorola brand even count for anything anymore? I mean, you know, I was doing some research about Motorola. And, for example, the phrase, one small step for man, first man on the moon, his communications device was built by Motorola. In the 1990s, before Nokia took over, Motorola was the number one mobile handset maker. So... Today, the Motorola brand doesn't count for much. How does Lenovo, and we know they're doing pretty good things with PCs, how does Lenovo revitalize what most people regard these days as a dead brand? Yeah, I mean, that's their challenge. You know, while it's similar to what they ended up doing with IBM ThinkPad, not quite the same. The ThinkPad was never in such brand turmoil as Motorola is. The ThinkPad had a solid foundation to build against in enterprise. I'm not sure what solid foundation they have to build with uh, Motorola. But if you look at it from Google's standpoint, you know, Lenovo was really the only worldwide company that they could try to enable to be, you know, a second pillar against Samsung. Therefore, it was logical for them to offload Motorola to Lenovo. Lenovo has shown the ability in the developed markets to make some inroads in PCs and in tablets. And, you know, I think, again, we'll have to wait and see what their philosophy and and, uh, focus is going to be. But, you know, I think it's going to be a very big challenge given, you know, how damaged the Motorola brand is at this point. And where does that leave LG and HTC? 
in terms of being makers of Android smartphones? Well, you know, there's a, a whole lot of uh, makers of Android smartphones all around the world, um, certainly a lot in China. Um, a lot of people either doing, you know, real Android or forking Android. Um, and while LG is obviously a great big company, um, you know, if you look in the U.S., which is where I kind of focus on, they're, you know, third in phones, but they're very far behind where Samsung and Apple are. So, you know, I think for Google, they're an important partner, but what they're really trying to do is find somebody else who can stand up against uh, Samsung. And I think, you know, by selling Motorola to Lenovo, for them at least, that's probably an indication that they don't see LG as having a broad, broad enough product portfolio to be able to be that other guy in the Android ecosystem. Okay, so let's look at the time here. How much time does Lenovo have to revitalize Motorola? I'm thinking at what point does Samsung become almost the only major vendor of Android equipment? Yeah, that's a great question. And, um, you know, in the Internet age, we don't tend to give anybody any time at all. But I think this is a um, turnaround that's going to take a while. So, you know, thinking that this is all going to be solved in 18 months, probably not likely. Can they survive longer than that? Uh, that's that's a big question. But I, I don't think that they can make this work in 18 months. It's certainly a two, three, five-year kind of process. And whether the market's going to give them that much time, I think, is, is an, obviously is an open question. Looking at Windows Phone market, Nokia being the major supplier of Windows Phone handsets, now that Nokia is going to be under Microsoft's umbrella, is that it for that platform? Why should any other company get involved? Well, you know, if you're, we just talked about it, right? If you were LG, for example, um, and you see this happening, well, maybe you have to hedge your bet somehow uh, against this duopoly kind of developing between um, Lenovo versus Samsung and Google being the one to, um, you know, anointing both of those as the primary kind of partners. Um, you know, the problem, I think, for Microsoft is that, and it's a generic problem in the phone business, certainly in the U.S., but in most of the developed world, is that there really aren't any other good partners to talk to once you get by Apple and Samsung. No one has the breadth and depth and stretch that you need to be able to push the hardware part of your brand. And I think for Microsoft and Windows Phone, bringing Nokia in will let them focus more on Windows Phone and the Windows Phone ecosystem as opposed to focusing on the hardware and the hardware brand because, again, I think there's just the, the market is saying there's just not a lot of room for multiple brands out there that are going to be um, particularly successful. How many years do you think Microsoft has to fix Nokia? At what point does it become or can it become just Apple and Samsung and maybe a few side players, and that's it. It's all about iOS, Android, Apple, Samsung. Uh, that's 
you know, so many years away, we, I don't even think I can see that far. Uh, you left out a whole big chunk of the market, which is the Windows PC and the Windows ecosystem. I'm not so, talking about that. I'm thinking strictly of mobile. Uh, but you can't. I, I would argue that you can't look at it like that. You need to look at it more as a computing device market that stretches from handsets to tablets to computers, and how do you compete across all those different um, different segments as a platform company for Apple, for Google, and for Microsoft. And I think throwing away the hundreds of millions of users that Microsoft has uh, seems just sheer folly to me when you try to make those kind of comparisons. Well, I wouldn't even presume to do that. I'm going to wonder, though, about Windows XP and where it stands, and I'll tell you why in a moment. Stephen Baker from the NPD Group joins us. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Free from the shackles of corporate America, we're the place for independent thinkers. GCN. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that too in Graphic Converter. Also print catalogs. Convert from so many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com American gardeners and fellow patriots, make the right choice with your money, time, and your family food supply. Choose 100% pure heirloom seeds in the Survival Seed Vault from MyPatriotSupply.com. Why spend more? The Survival Seed Vault from MyPatriotSupply.com is only $37.95 and includes 20 varieties of pure, hardy, easy-to-grow heirloom seeds. Yes, only $37.95. That's 70% less than our competitors. You could buy three Survival Seed Vaults for less than one of theirs. The Survival Seed Vault from MyPatriotSupply.com includes detailed planting and seed saving instructions and ships same day plus all orders over $49 ship free mypatriotsupply.com is american owned by patriots like you passionate about freedom and preparedness call now 866-229-0927 that's 866-229-0927 or discover more emergency preparedness items when you order at mypatriotsupply.com choose the original choose the survival seed vault at mypatriotsupply.com Now you can get the same survival food U.S. Special Forces use on their toughest field missions. High-protein, high-energy, freeze-dried foods known as long-range patrol rations or LERPs. Soldiers love LERP rations. They're lightweight and easy to carry. Easy to prepare by just adding water. Easy to enjoy because they taste great. Civilians love LERPs as a solution for emergency preparedness and recreational activities with limited storage space, such as hiking, climbing, sailing, or RV travel. 
Veteran-owned Freeze-Dry Guy is your exclusive source for this 2013 U.S. military overrun. Long on nutrition, these delicious entrees have a long shelf life, lasting decades. But this rare opportunity, this limited supply, will not last long. You have to act now. Call 866-404-3663, 866-404-FOOD. Or log on now to freezedryguy.com, freezedryguy.com. Hey everybody, Jason Lewis here with another great idea from jasonlewisteam.com. Now, how would you like an energy drink that's actually good for you? That's right, one that not only gives you an afternoon pick-me-up, but that's loaded with the most important antioxidants for reducing the damage from stress. It's called Pollen Burst, and it's a natural burst of energy that lasts for hours. Now, most energy drinks rely on a massive dose of caffeine, sugar, or even vitamin B. Pollen Burst takes a more balanced approach, and that's why I like it. I also love the fact that Pollen Burst has plenty of vitamin D and green tea extract. This is the best energy drink I've ever tried. So trust me, you'll not only like it better than the others, you'll love the way it's individually packaged for freshness as well. They've got these on-the-go stick packs. They're great. Pollen Burst. It's available at jasonlewisteam.com or simply call 1-855-310-TEAM. For a natural burst of energy, it's Pollen Burst at jasonlewisteam.com or 1-855-310-TEAM. you know what's going to happen next? Well, here's the Tech Night Owl, live with Gene Steinberg. Now, I understand, of course, when you do these net traffic type surveys, they're just approximations. They only measure the PCs they're getting online. But it's showing that Windows XP actually, what, gained very slightly in share. How does Microsoft get rid of Windows XP? You know, it's 2001. I know places I visit still using XP. I assume if you count for point-of-sale systems that don't go online, don't count in web metrics, the share may be even higher. How does Microsoft drop that albatross except saying every year we're going to stop supporting it? Well, so they stopped supporting it first. You know, it's a testament to how good XP was, right? Uh, That it's been around for this long and people still want to use it and the great penetration that Microsoft had in those days. So, you know, we can look at it as positive. You know, yeah, I'm, I'm not a big fan of web metrics and those kind of things and stuff bounces around a little and making something out of, you know, some small shift from one month to the next doesn't really make a lot of sense, I don't think. But in the long run, you know, I think the challenge Microsoft always has is when you make something really good, whether it's XP or, or Windows 7, for example, it's hard to get people to want to move to something else. And that's a challenge that they have had for many years. And it's one of the real differences when you think about, you know, PCs and the embedded device market versus what you might think of in terms of mobile handsets or, you know, the tablet market. So there's a big difference there. You know, at the end of the day, I guess we should all say, wow, a lot of people are using Microsoft products. And um, in the long run, what Microsoft really wants to do is to have people use their products because that's the starting point in terms of getting them 
to buy office, to buy new products, to buy the support and enterprise things that support those products. So, you know, I think it would be much worse if XP was dropping like a stone and we weren't seeing any increases in Windows 7 or Windows 8 usage um, or ownership. Uh, that would be a lot worse for Microsoft. Um, the fact that there's a lot of people out there and they're still using XP means that they still have some level of confidence in Microsoft. Let's go to television again. Of course, we were talking about Sony and Sony's problems shedding its PC division. Now, what was it, two, three years ago? It was all 3D this, 3D that in the wake of the huge success of Avatar. And 3D hasn't gone much of anywhere. These days, based on reading the specs of new models announced at the Consumer Electronics Show, and I give Vizio as one example, 3D is dropping like flies. So is that pretty much the end of it? Is there more hope for it in the future or what? Well, you know, it, it, has, it was never probably what it was originally thought about. Look, the reason people buy TVs is for a great picture not for a gimmick, not for something, some kind of an experience. I go to the movie theater for an experience at home. I want a great picture. And, you know, I think the challenges around creating 3D content and getting enough install base to be able to get the content creators to do that, the challenges with upscaling or changing, you know, 2D content to make it look like it was 3D were, were pretty large. And, you know, the value proposition in the long run, I think, for consumers just wasn't there. And, that's even setting the whole glasses thing aside, which and year after year of research we did, consumers continually just talked about how much they actually hated wearing glasses to watch television. So I think we put all those things together, and 3D was a product of the TV market looking for the next great thing instead of looking for what are the cyclical improvements we can make that resonate with our customers? And that's why we love 4K. We think that that is a technology that focuses exactly on what consumers say they want from their television every single day. They want a great screen. Okay, I'm going to ask you about a few more things here about the new TV sets. And I agree with you about 3D. I've tried 3D exactly once. And it goes against the habits of somebody. You just want to sit down and watch a show. You don't want to go through all this rigmarole and, well, where are the glasses? Oh, I put them in the drawer. Oh, I don't want to wear those ugly things. I'm getting a headache from them. You understand the score. Okay, before we get to Ultra HD or 4K, there is or there are a few sets that have slightly curved screens which is kind of like you get an IMAX. Now, IMAX, you've got something that's many rooms wide, but a 50-inch set or a 60-inch set curved, does that make sense? Well, you know, Samsung and LG seem to think so. They were out there, obviously, in force at CES uh, talking about those. Uh, you know, I think the first thing to focus on is what you said there, slightly curved. It's not like this is a great big U-shaped television. Um, you know, it's a very subtle curve, and uh, the point is to try to focus the consumer's watching on that center part of the screen and the best part of the picture. Is it a gimmick? 
you know, it may end up very well being, being a gimmick, but at least as a gimmick, it doesn't, this doesn't necessarily take away from the quality of the screen. And again, I think the challenge with 3D was that not only was it a gimmick, but it impacted the quality of my viewing experience. And I really didn't want that to happen. Okay, Ultra HD, four times as many pixels, twice horizontally, twice vertically. We're seeing now sets that are medium price, not super expensive. Vizio's got a model, 50-inch model from their new P-series, below 1,000. So it's getting to that critical mass. Now, correct me if I'm wrong here. To really enjoy 4K, you've got to have a screen that's probably 60 inches or larger, or sit fairly close to the set. Otherwise, you're not going to see much difference. Well, uh, you know, I think right now we're we're looking at 55, but yeah, you need a relatively big screen. Although, um, you know, if you look at the sales numbers, uh, 50 or 55 inch isn't necessarily a really big uh, television anymore. Even 60 inch is not necessarily a really really big TV in this marketplace. There's considerable volume in that 50 to 60 inch um, marketplace. So not concerned about the size. I don't feel like that's a really, really large television that's going to, you know, limits the marketplace. I think the the other part of this is that, uh, as we said before, uh, 4K does a great job of upscaling. The, The products were built with the understanding that, you know, not all the content was going to be available, but, um, you know, the technology is relatively straightforward about how you take something that's 2K and make it 4K. And that's going to be better. It may not be perfect the way a 4K native might be, but clearly better than what you're going to get with 2K. And again, that focuses, especially when you get to 50 and 60 inch screen buyers and even bigger, that focuses their attention on the things that they really believe matters, which is a great picture in a big screen. Now, one area where supposedly 4K has an advantage is color. Color reproduction is said to be far better than 2K. Uh, you know, so a lot more pixels to show that color in. So certainly, um, you know, that's all part of that much better picture, much better viewing experience, which is essentially what we really want to sell the consumer. But this thing then would give the TV companies more room to push the larger sets. They're saying, look, we got the 4K and the bigger the set, the better the picture looks. We've got a real big reason here for you to trade in that old 50-inch and get a 60-inch, say. What it's all about, right? The whole concept of getting people to not hold on to TVs for maybe quite as long as they used to, to thinking about them a little bit more as technology and a little less as a piece of furniture. Um, You know, I think that this is all part of what the major TV OEMs are looking at to, you know, improve their business. What impressed me is the speed with which the prices came down. Because I see a lot of resistance if you buy a 4K set for three or $4,000. When it starts dipping below $1,000, a lot of people who may not have even considered upgrading their TVs will start to think, you know what? It's not so bad. Maybe I have a little bit more margin on my credit card. Right. We've got Stephen well, Baker. We don't ask about his credit card. 
I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. The nation's largest independently owned and operated talk radio network. The Genesis Communications Network. GCN. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you'd like to listen to GCN programs on the go, I have great news. GCN has created a Droid and iPhone application, and it's free. Just as easy as going to GCNlive.com, click on the banner and download. Before you know it, you'll be listening to your favorite hard-hitting GCN shows, live or on demand, right on your Droid or iPhone, 24-7 and on the go. So download the Droid and iPhone app free by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Thanks again for listening to GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. Hi, this this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. Hi, this is Steve Sanchez, and based on a recent study, it was found that 57 million Americans had legal issues over the last 12 months, but only 60% of those studied sought out the services of a lawyer. Why? In a nutshell, affordability. Well, my friends at Legal Shield have created a solution that can help you not if, but when you need an attorney. For as little as $17 per month, Legal Shield will provide you unlimited access to qualified attorneys at an accomplished law firm for advice and counsel on legal issues no matter how serious or trivial. For over 40 years and with 1.4 million families across North America, Legal Shield can help you, the loyal GCN listener. Representatives are standing by now to answer your questions, so call them now at 1-855-340-SAVE. That's 1-855-340-7283 or visit them at lsprotection.com. That's lsprotection.com. Welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. Stephen Baker of the NPD Group joining us. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live. So as I said, the way it's moving, it looks to me like the... TV makers are really pulling out all the stops to persuade people to buy a 4K by making it reasonably affordable. Absolutely. Um, you know, certainly some of the, the TV makers would object to your characterization of certain sets at $1,500 or $1,000 as being, you know, quite the same kind of 4K as you're going to get on a two or three or $4,000 television. There's still... Um, some level of controversy about that. It's not just about the resolution in pixels. There's clearly some other software and other pieces to the puzzle that you know can be a little bit different and that are part of that driving that price down. But you know there are 55-inch 4K televisions for $3,000. Um, there is plenty of a market for $3,000 televisions. Uh, we've seen that over the last couple of years, uh, and the big TV brands like Sony and Samsung, who've led the 
led the way in 4K. You know, see a lot of opportunity there. And it's a great product for the major retailers, too. Companies like, you know, Best Buy and H.H. Gregg are really, really focused on what the opportunity can be to trade people up into that two and $3,000 marketplace. I think we want to be careful about how fast we drive these prices down because I don't necessarily think that we need to have a very low-cost solution in this market quite yet. It needs to be positioned as a premium and as a great upgrade and not just as a vertical upgrade. Positioning it as a vertical or horizontal upgrade to something that's a little bit better at the same price probably doesn't does a disservice to the TV market and the TV retailers. Um, I think we're all looking for something that adds some revenue and excitement to the marketplace. Is there a survey of the average price someone pays for a TV set these days? Yeah, uh, you know, we certainly have lots of that. The average price of a TV outside of the holiday season tends to be in the high 400s. So someplace around four seventy five to five hundred dollars. During the holidays it's around four hundred dollars given the Black Friday pricing and things like that. So even a thousand dollars is above average, is fairly It certainly is. Average. It certainly is. But you know, you, you have to take into account um, promotion and cost and things like that. And again, you know, going almost all the way back to the beginning of what we talked about when we were talking about, you know, challenges that Sony had with the bio, um, you want to have products at multiple price points, and you don't want too much overlap. You want to be able to show people what a great technology is, but, you know, you want them to recognize that and pay for it. Uh, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. Well, I noticed even companies like Vizio, which got its reputation for selling lower-priced TVs, they're moving upscale pretty fast. They have been. They've been pretty aggressive about about moving into bigger screens. And, you know, one of the things that that's led for them is to be, uh, you know, have a bigger presence at places like Costco and Sam's. And, you know, now they're available in the big screens at, uh, at Best Buy as well, because those are the places where those higher end customers are willing are more likely to go to be able to get a little bit either more sales help or more selection those are areas that they uh, they really felt like as they got up into the 55 60 and above you know that they needed to broaden their distribution okay is there room in all this for apple to get involved in building a tv or is it better for them to just have maybe a souped up apple tv box you know, I don't know. I, I ask the easy questions, folks. Apple TV, how many times? And I'll say the same thing I've said in the past. I don't believe that Apple should do a television. I don't see why they would want to. It's a tough business with low margins. Um, having one or two SKUs at what's likely to be higher price points Um not going to be successful unless they have some way to totally turn the content business around and marry that directly with the hardware business. And to date, there really isn't any evidence that anybody's been able to figure out how to make that happen. Until someone can figure out how to make that happen, um, I think there's little 
good opportunity for Apple to sell a $1,500 television. Um, it just doesn't seem like a uh, great business for them. I think they're much better off focusing on selling content, selling products like the Apple TV or iPads that you know help enhance and improve the entire viewing um, experience and let somebody else have the uh, have the pleasure of selling you know low margin televisions. Now moving to 4K TV. Basically, it doesn't require any investment of your TV experience. You buy the set, you set it up exactly the same way as your existing set, and you turn it on, you enjoy. Content scale up until there is 4K content. What about smart TVs? How many people out there care about the apps on the TV set? You know, it's interesting that you say that. Um, not sure what they care about, but they do feel like having some kind of connectability in their television is important. And more and more, we see consumers saying that, you know, when I'm going to buy that television, I would like that option to be available. Um, whether they really want the, the apps on the Samsung app store or whether they think that the TV should be connected to the internet to look at Facebook or some other kind of thing, still kind of up in the air. But what isn't up in the air is that on an ongoing basis in our surveys, uh, more and more consumers tell us that smart is a feature that they're looking for in their televisions. Um, and I think, uh, you know, it only makes sense that as we get to this, you know, Internet of Everything and Internet of Things, that pretty much every device you have needs to have a native connection to the Internet. And I can't just depend on a box or something else to be able to connect up my television. My television needs to do that on its own. I don't want to tell you how many devices are right now connected to my internet router. I've got my phone interface because I'm using a VOIP or VoIP phone system. I've got my iPhone. My wife's got her iPad. We've got the TV set. We've got the Blu-ray player. We've got the Apple TV. We've got the main computer. We've got my MacBook Pro. I mean, device after device is connected. We're in this soup of radiation, but the question goes back to 4K. Right now, 4K... What the benefit to the customer is, for the most part, is the scaling of existing content. But how will 4K content be deployed? I'm thinking in terms of the fact that, yes, there are new standards for video compression. But what about something like Netflix? Netflix is going to have, for example, 4K content, but requires an over 15 megabit connection, which is you know a little bit more than a lot of people have for their broadband. Yeah, um, I'm pretty confident we'll get it figured out. Um, you know, we've heard those kind of things. How would you connect all 20 of the devices you have in your house to the Internet through your router? How are you going to get enough speed to, you know, watch a regular Netflix or an HD Netflix movie on your television? And, you know, we're, we're seeing the rollout of high bandwidth internet connectivity all around the country, whether it's Google Fiber or AT&T or Fios. Um, 
There's or, or the, the regular cable companies. There's lots of um, availability of faster internet connections. And if you decide that that's something you want, the availability is getting better and better. And I think you know by the time that there's a critical mass of 4K televisions, there's going to be plenty of availability of bandwidth. And, of course, the cable and satellite companies have to do it, too. We'll get into more of this in a moment. One more segment with Stephen Baker of the NPD Group. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live. Neighbors, are you tired of dealing with a slow web hosting provider? Well, check out A2 Hosting and their screaming fast Swift server platform. They even have SSDs that load pages 300% faster than the competition. Ready to give your site a speed boost? Well, tell you what, neighbors, head on over to a2hosting.com. That's A2, that's number two, a2hosting.com. Check out their Prime Hosting account. And get this, neighbors, they're even giving you an exclusive 25% off discount for all our listeners. 25%. And remember, their Guru Crew support team is standing by 24-7, 365 days a year to answer any of your questions. Now, to get the discount, use the coupon code GENE when you check out. Gold isn't for you? Ted Anderson, president of Midas Resources, one of the world's premier gold and precious metal investing firms. I get it. You wouldn't buy gold if you believed that the government is doing a great job, that the Fed will stop handing out trillions of dollars like bailout candy, that Social Security would be there for you. That's not what's happening. You might even pass on gold if the stimulus package wouldn't fuel inflation, or that the dollar wouldn't lose value, or that your retirement would be secure. If all looks rosy to you, then now is not the time to buy gold. For the realists, there have never been more sobering reasons to diversify with gold. Since 2001, the U.S. dollar index has tanked 30% while gold has risen 300%. Right now, savvy investors are adding gold to their portfolios. You should too. Find out what they know. Call us and I'll send you 10 reasons why gold will do very well, free. 800-686-2237. 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. We live in a complicated society. Stressful issues are always popping up. Have you ever been treated unfairly by someone? Have you ever been overcharged for a repair? Have you ever signed a contract or a document? Worried about identity theft? How many times have you been in those unique situations where you just wanted to call an attorney to find out if you're right or wrong or what your legal rights are? But every time you think about calling an attorney, what do you think about first? That's right. Who do you call and how much will it cost? Our friends at Legal Shield have found a solution. With a nationwide network of 6,900 attorneys who average over 19 years of experience, Legal Shield's law firms take over 40,000 calls per week helping their members. For less than $20 per month, you can have access to Legal Shield on everything from the trivial to the traumatic. Let Legal Shield stand up for your rights at lsprotection.com. That's lsprotection.com. Or call 855-340-SAVE. 855-340-7283. Positive results from satisfied customers of Heart and Body Extract continue to pour into our website, hbextract.com. This is Al from New Jersey. One day I saw your ad for Heart and Body Extract, and it mentioned that it would help me with angina. 
So I decided to order. I figure I had nothing to lose. Heart and Body Extract supplies your body with everything it needs to balance itself and maintain optimal heart and circulatory health with no negative side effects. I took the formula three times a day as directed, and I kid you not, within four days, my angina pain was completely gone. Order HB Extract by calling 866-295-5305 or online at hbextract.com. That's 866-295-5305 or hbextract.com. I could not believe it actually stopped the pain. Heart and Body Extract actually works. This is just an amazing product. Even the numbness in my hands is completely gone. Heart and Body Extract for a long and healthy life. We'd like to hear from you. If you have any thoughts or comments about the Tech Night Owl Live, please get in touch at news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. Looking for past episodes? We've got hundreds at technightowl.com slash radio. That's technightowl.com slash radio. Or subscribe on iTunes. I'm the Tech Night Out Live, Stephen Baker of the NPD Group. And now we're back to 4K and the content dilemma. Are they working on a Blu-ray standard for 4K yet? Not sure. I suspect that there will be. You know, certainly, I think the challenge with discs is that, you know, 4K takes up a lot of space. So we have to make sure that there's a capability for the discs to be able to do that. And also the dilemma when it comes to cable and satellite. You know, your satellite can store only so many channels. Your cable system has so many channels. How do you generate credible 4K content without just compressing the bejesus out of it, which is a highly technical term? Yes. Yes. Well, you're going to have to do some compression. Again, you know, I'm going to let people who have a lot more technical knowledge than I do explain all those things. Um, you know, I'm just a sales guy, marketing guy. Um, you know, I want people to have the availability. And again, you know, I think once there's a critical mass of televisions, then there's going to be demand for those kind of um, capabilities. And, uh, you know, I'm pretty confident that all those smart uh, Silicon Valley guys will figure it out. Well, of course, we have the one common compression technique, H.264. There's an H.265, which is more efficient. So we assume, therefore, 4K content will still be larger, but not as large as it would be with the older technology. So we're going to see. But right now, you're positive about this. Because if we go back through history, as I recall, you were fairly positive about 3D. But that didn't work out. Yeah, I was probably fairly positive about 3D. Uh, You know, we all make mistakes. (laughs) I'm certainly more than willing to admit to mine. I raise Um, my hand. There it is. Sure. You know, I think it's it's better to think positively about some of these things. And, again, you know, I think history kind of tells us that, um, you know, things are going to – we'll figure those things out, especially where there's money to be made. Um, you know, I think someone will, will get to the point where these things can be um, – can work and be profitable and, you know, generate a whole new – uh, revenue stream opportunities for faster bandwidth and for better screens, uh, you know, up and down uh, the line. Well, of course, they have cable technologies now where it's not unusual to get 100 or 100 megabits from your cable provider where it used to be maybe 25 or 50. I have what they call a DSL connection with a company called CenturyLink. 
I'm getting 50 megabits. They advertise 40, but they got 50 on my line. They've got 100 in the wings. And they used to say you couldn't do that from DSL. So they're getting 100, and the cable makers have 150 routinely. It's not going to be long before we have gigabit everywhere. You know, again, I agree with you. We've certainly seen that. You know, if you think about cable modems, there was always this concern that everybody was sharing bandwidth. And as more cable modems came online, everybody's, you know, experience would degrade. And we, you know, haven't necessarily seen that. You know, we've seen lots of investment in this. And, you know, I think we will continue to see that kind of investment. So we'll see more and more of this coming up. And I would like, you know, to pay what I'm paying now and get, you know, a few hundred megabits a second. That would be wonderful. Well, you know, somebody's got to make some money someplace, uh, Gene. So you you may have to reach into your pocket for a few more uh, shekels there to to, um, make sure that everybody's willing to provide you with that level. I think right now the biggest thing you see is the bandwidth cap. If you're going to have 4K movies and they're two or three times larger than regular 1080p movies, the ISPs are going to have to allow it. Otherwise, it makes no sense. Otherwise, everything would have to be on fixed media. Yep, and um, I think that what we're even seeing now is that bandwidth caps are a moving target. They're not meant to prevent people from watching 4K movies. They are meant to prevent the the one or half a percent of abusers out there who do things that they really shouldn't be doing with those kind of connections. So same as in phones where you see the size of the plans continue to go up and the amount of uh, gigabytes that are available on your plan continue to expand. Um, I think you'll see the same thing in your home um, internet connections too. It's not in the ISP's best interest to try to keep you from using the product that they're selling you. Um, it's in their interest to manage the cost and manage the bandwidth to make sure that there's something for everybody while at the same time finding those ways to be able to provide, you know, a better experience for, for everybody. Some people, you know, again, a very small percentage are likely to to bear the brunt of some of those things, but for those of us who are normal people, I, I don't think that it's an issue. Well, we'll have to come back here next year and see where this has worked out. Fast yep. question, because we have only two and a half minutes left. Are we going to see an iWatch this year? How do the tea leaves look for something like that? Oh, I, I think, you know, if there's anything about Apple that you can be 100% sure of, I think we can all be as close to 100% that some kind of wearable device will be coming from Apple this year. What that exactly will be, what its focus will be, how it looks, certainly all that kind of stuff up in the air. But, you know, I don't think there's any question that... Um, given all the smoke around this, that there's a, there's a fire brewing somewhere. All right. So we're going to see what happens with the iWatch fire. As yes. someone in the business of industry analysis, is there a pent-up demand for smartwatches? It doesn't seem that the current models are selling millions and millions of copies. Yeah, but, you know, this is versions 1.0. 
Uh, most people either don't know about them or don't know what they would do with them or, you know, haven't really seen them. Uh, you know, it takes a rabbit sometimes to make the, make the foxes run. And, uh, you know, Apple can be that rabbit that can drive all the consumers to actually start to think about this. Um, call it a market dead when it's barely even started. While it is classic kind of tech uh, activity, is you know does all of us a disservice let's let some other people introduce some things let's let them put some muscle behind it some thought behind it let's see version 2.0s and you know let's give it some time to germinate is this like the digital music player market was before the ipod arrived i don't think that's necessarily a terrible comparison Uh, there was lots of mp3 players before the ipod most of which weren't very easy to use or didn't really offer me any more utility than using my CD player. The iPod changed all that. And, you know, certainly the iWatch or whatever you want to call it could have the same kind of impact on the uh, wearables market. We'll have to see whether there's an iWatch in our future. Okay, Stephen Baker, where do we find more of the stuff you do? You can find us at www.npd.com. Stephen Baker, thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. Always fun. Thanks, Gene. We are the premier independent talk radio network. The Genesis Communications Network. G-C-N. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It just stopped responding. It took hours before it returned, but I'd already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Check it out. iWeb.com. That's iWeb.com. If you owe the IRS back taxes, listen carefully. Sweeping changes to IRS policies will help more people than ever eliminate their tax debts once and for all. And now, thanks to Dan Pillow, you can get the tax help you need to end your tax nightmare. Hi, I'm Dan Pillow. I've helped thousands of people reduce or eliminate tax debts they couldn't pay. And after more than 30 years of experience dealing with the IRS, I can tell you there's no such thing as a hopeless tax case. With the IRS's new policies, it's easier than ever to put your tax debt behind you once and for all. Call now at 800-346-6829 to learn how I can help you. You know your IRS debt will not go away by itself, but you don't have to live in fear anymore. Call 800-346-6829. Learn how I can help you eliminate wage and bank levies, release tax liens, and negotiate a settlement with the IRS that will put your tax nightmare behind you forever. Call 800-34-NO-TAX. Or go to my website, TaxHelpOnline.com. That's TaxHelpOnline.com. Time and time again. You need to come here. 
there and help us. We need assistance. Please. Those we should be able to depend on let us down. Federal and state and local officials saying help is on the way. Will the folks here in Bell Harbor say show me? Don't depend on the government to save you. Take action now so that you're prepared for the next disaster with MyPatriotSupply.com. Get the best prices on storable food, non-GMO seeds, water filtration devices, home canning equipment, survival and self-reliance books, and more at MyPatriotSupply.com. Call 866-229-0927. We are hurting down here, and we need help immediately. Before it's time to survive, it's time to prepare. MyPatriotSupply.com. MyPatriotSupply.com. It's that time of year again, and you know what that means. Cold and flu season. (laughs) But don't worry. HerbalHealer.com has you and your loved ones covered with our safe and natural products. Cold and flu fighters like beta-glucans, olive leaf antiviral capsules, grapefruit seed extract, HHA for herb capsules, elderberry power, and respirate. And don't forget about oregacillin for the lungs, normally $34.95, on sale now for only $25. Vitamin D3, 120-count soft gels, only $9. Whole body and homeopathic detoxes for the lungs, kidneys, liver, lymph, and brain, normally $26.95, now just $20. HerbalHealer.com also offers correspondence courses to teach you how to handle your health naturally. And as always, new customers get a free 128-page catalog with your order. Visit HerbalHealer.com and click the winner specials button to save on our natural cold and flu fighting products herbalhealer.com healing the world with nature one person at a time since 1988 what's going to happen next you never know when you're listening to the tech night owl live with gene steinberg So, neighbors, Brian Chaffin of the Mac Observer now has nobody to imitate at Microsoft. I know. It's so sad. Right. Now... You won't uh, have me to kick around anymore. Well, speaking of kicking around, we're going to have more of Bill Gates because the new CEO... And I had to look up the New York Times for how to pronounce this. It's Satya Nadella. Satya Nadella. That is good to know. Thank you, Gene. Right, that's from the New York Times. If the New York Times is wrong and it's not Satya Nadella, don't sue me. But I was thinking here, whenever we talk about him, we Mm -hmm. should do what Howard Stern used to do when he interviewed the director of Indian descent, M. Night Shyamalan. Sure. He played background music that's typified or typical of an Indian restaurant. Okay. With a sitar and everything. Okay. So maybe we should find some background music for Satya Nadella. If I can learn to say it consistently. I'm going to leave that to you. Okay, so it looks like Bill Gates gave up his position as chairman of the board of directors of Microsoft. He's going to be a technical advisor for Nadella. Now, I just wonder how the newly adminted executive, the CEO of Microsoft, and the first thing he has is, the co-founder watching over his back or watching everything he does. That sounds like a bummer to me. It, it is interesting to to, to to say the least because you know we, we don't know we, from the time we have we have Steve Ballmer just gone in a day, and at the exact same time we have 
co-founder, I'm sorry, yeah, co-founder and current chairman and former chief archi- software architect, Bill Gates, stepping down as chairman, which kind of makes it seem like that might have been a precondition for someone taking the job. We don't know that, but that was the first thing that popped into my head. But at the same time, he's taking this more involved role. He's actually going to be spending, what is it, a third of his time now? It's a third or a fourth of his time at Microsoft, which means he's, his role is actually going to be increased, even though he's no longer going to be chairman. And and I'm not really sure what that means, but I, I know that I would not. It, Microsoft needs changes. They need to they need to not stay the course. They need to find a new course, and I'm not sure how easy that's going to be with uh, with Bill Gates in the wings looking over his shoulders. Boy, this has to be discouraging. And it's not yeah. as if Nadella is unqualified. He's an engineer. He's the head of their cloud and enterprise division. He's received a master's degree in computer science. As I mentioned this earlier when we talked to Stephen Baker of the NPD group, he's also an MBA. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he's got a proper background. He has 22 years experience at Microsoft. So obviously he knows the culture. They said he's the kind of person who gets along well with others. And maybe that's an important thing, too, that people like him over there. He's a low-key kind of guy, easygoing sort of person, family man, everything. It sounds really great, except where is the vision well, we we don't we we don't yet know what kind of vision he has, and 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 you're correct. Where's the vision? That is super super important. Um, I, I do personally worry about whether or not someone who is so inculcated in the culture there, 22 years as you noted, within Microsoft, I'm concerned about how well or even how motivated someone like that might be to change the culture. Because I can't, I can't find any any way to express positive thoughts about the culture at Microsoft, at least in regards to their products. And what nags me, just as like probably nagging Nadella, is the presence of Bill Gates watching over his shoulder. Mm-hmm. That has got to be so discouraging. Because right now, I would seem to think here that Bill Gates has the opportunity here to reinvent Microsoft. And he's got this guy who could be a really good front man to do it. He'll do all the day-to-day work, and Gates will spend the quarter of his time at Microsoft spelling out the strategy. Yeah, Bill Gates cannot do strategy with that little time. He may be able to have some kind of impact on product design or product development, but I don't think he can change the quarter, the, the, the culture of the company. I don't think he can change direction. In theory, that's not even his his, his new job. Um, you know, he's supposed to basically be an advisor for people in terms of technology. So, I, yeah, I, I don't think uh, Satya was hired. Mr. Nadella was hired to be a frontman, but I I believe that the uh, the the proof of uh, the burden of proof is on him to show that he can change the course. And uh, did you watch that first interview he did, the, that canned interview with uh, an internal Microsoft VP? I watched one interview of his. And frankly speaking, he needs some rehearsal. But then, of course, Tim Cook was pretty stiff. Out of the starting gate, he's gotten better. Tim so- Cook is stiff, but Tim Cook is the most controlled speaker in, in technology executive ranks. 
Tim Cook says precisely and exactly what he wants to say, when he wants to say it, in the way that he wants to say it. And that, I think, makes up for that stiffness. Right, and he's getting a bit looser. It takes time. So yeah. maybe Nadella, after he's given the proper schooling or tutoring. Right, because he hasn't had speaking. much of a public no. role. No, he's talked to developers. And his conversation supposedly is sprinkled with geek talk. Mm. So now he has to learn to be the public face. And that's going to be difficult. Now, it may be possible there that he can, we could play the Indian music when he comes on. And that will help give some kind of warm image because Indian music, of course, creates a very positive mood. But the thing you have to look at here is Microsoft made some important strategic decisions last year. They decided to buy Nokia at fire sale prices, which is not quite the fire sale price that Lenovo is paying for Motorola Mobility, but still a pretty low price for a company that used to be the number one handset maker on the planet. Of course, Motorola used to be, before Nokia, the number one handset player, so look where that went. Okay, so we have that. We have some executive musical chairs, and these decisions were made before Bomber decided to retire. So he's got this stuff in his hands. And it's not as if he could say, no, I'm not going to do that. For the short term, he's forced into following whatever program they've set up for him. That's precisely what he, that that was the most concerning aspect of that first interview he did to me. And it's where he kept talking about how Microsoft has all these great tools in place, how Microsoft has the right services in place, how Microsoft has the right strategies in place. And that, you know, now it's just a matter of improving them and moving them forward and blah, blah, blah. Microsoft does not have any of the right stuff in place. I mean, you know, I mean, Microsoft right now is coasting on its Windows and Office laurels. I mean, I, there was there was a, a mention last week of uh, uh, how Windows XP gained market share in the PC industry um, in the in I think in December. You know, let me read that stat because I did a blog on it. This comes from net market share, and let me explain here. When you see these net market shares. It means they're measuring what we call the user agent, which is sent out by a browser. So you see which operating system is accessing the sites they use in their survey. So XP's market share increased from 28.98% in December to 29.23% in January. It sounds embarrassing to me, doesn't it? Absolutely. It It is a sign of concern. And of course, when we have HP ditching Windows 8 and and pimping Windows 7 all over their website and actually giving people a discount if they will please just take Windows 7. Microsoft, so, so when I hear the new CEO talking about how everything, all this great stuff is in place, that's concerning because they need to change. The question is, what place is he talking about? Maybe not on this planet, maybe in an alternate reality, maybe he enters a Stargate and he goes to a world where Windows is still relevant. And there are other things that aren't even being considered in those web metrics that we're talking about. And I want to mention that in our next segment. Brian Chaffin, who will no longer imitate Steve Ballmer, and probably will not imitate Satya Nadella, because (laughs) he doesn't do that accent very well. But I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. largest independently owned communications network, GCN. 
Neighbors, are you tired of dealing with a slow web hosting provider? Well, check out A2 Hosting and their screaming fast Swift server platform. They even have SSDs that load pages 300% faster than the competition. Ready to give your site a speed boost? Well, tell you what, neighbors, head on over to a2hosting.com. That's A2, that's number two, a2hosting.com. Check out their Prime Hosting account. And get this, neighbors, they're even giving you an exclusive 25% off discount for all our listeners. 25%. And remember, their Guru Crew support team is standing by 24-7, 365 days a year to answer any of your questions. Now, to get the discount, use the coupon code GENE when you check out. This alert just came in. This special announcement is for business owners and leaders of organizations who've been waiting for the right time to build. General Steel has made it impossible to wait any longer with rock-bottom prices that could save you thousands. That's right. General Steel, America's leader in pre-engineered structures, is offering buildings at prices you will never see again. Don't miss these prices. A 50 by 100 for under $30,000. You heard right. That's 5,000 square feet under $30,000. Manufacturers, if you need a larger building, try a 100 by 100 commercial building for $129,000. You can't afford to rent with these prices. Imagine a 70 by 100 foot church building for under $69,000. With the economy improving and interest rates still at historic lows, you can't afford to wait. So call 866-91-STEEL. Lock in your price now. Take delivery in spring. 866-91-STEEL. That's 866-917-8335. For over five years, you've been hearing about the Berkey guy, so you may know a few things about him. For example, you are well aware of the superior quality and effectiveness of Berkey water filters and accessories. But did you know the Berkeys have had independent lab tests done to prove just how effective they are? It's true, and he can email you the test results. Just visit GoBerkey.com. You may also know that the Berkey guy has helped tens of thousands of people get better prepared. Now here's something you may not know. GoBerkey.com has amazing specials and deals all the time on a wide variety of survival and preparedness products, most ready to ship same day. Visit the Berkey guy at GoBerkey.com and be sure to click the red Products on Sale Now button. You can always call toll-free 877-886-3653. Again, that's 877-886-3653. GoBerkey.com, home of the Berkey guy. Ouch! My back is out again. Hi, Dr. Ortman with Wellspring Spinal Care. If you're experiencing neck, mid, or lower back pain, this information is for you. One of the complaints that I hear is patients receive their typical adjustment, only having to repeat them as the pain returns. Putting the bones back in place is only half of the battle. At Wellspring Spinal Care, we have the entire solution. We use the NUCA approach, utilizing three-dimensional x-rays and gentle touch technology to deliver specific correction. We then design Design a custom nutritional supplement program which provides essential nutrients targeting the areas of concern. With a NUCA approach and proper nutrition, you'll be on your way to a faster and more permanent recovery. To get you on the road to wellness, visit DrOrtman.com. That's Dr. O-R-T-M-A-N.com. Or call us today, 952-303-9124. That's 952-303-9124. Wellspring Spinal Care. Chiropractic done right.
You never know what's going to happen next while listening to the Tech Night Isle, live with Gene Steinberg. Okay, we have Brian Chaffin of the Mac Observer. I'm Gene Steinberger in the Tech Night Out Live. Now, one thing I did in my blog is I pointed out something else about Windows XP. Okay, so we know the market share with web metrics is our computers that go online, and they're measured by net applications, net market share, etc. And they vary because these stats are not precise. They vary somewhat, but they show a trend. Okay, consider how many tens of millions of Windows XP systems are point of sale. If they're point of sale, they're not going online. Or if they are going online, they're going to like a merchant processing system. So they're not being measured by these wet metrics. So if you think the figure of 30% some odd usage of Windows XP is bad, what are the real figures? Uh, It's true, though. To be fair, those systems will eventually have to be replaced one way or another. So I, I, I'm not sure how, how, how relevant to, to market share uh, data POS systems are. Well, but. you have to consider how much is being consumed by Windows XP. You have all these computers run, running Windows XP, even Target, by the way. You remember Target? Mm-hmm. Okay, we had the break-in at Target. We had anywhere from 40 to 110 million people were impacted because their credit card numbers were stolen. They use a Windows system. I don't know which version of Windows, but they do use a Windows-based point-of-sale system. Ouch. I don't know if it's XP now. Okay, I don't know if that's XP. I don't know if it's Windows 7. I haven't checked. But the point being that these are things that are never going to be measured. And as you say, eventually they're going to have to be upgraded. But it's not going to happen to everyone because there are legitimate reasons why people will stick with Windows XP. One of which is it works. Yep. Second of which is you can buy a new PC and pretty much run Windows XP on it. The application they're using, vertical applications, special industries, has to be updated. They then have to deal with drivers for their peripherals. And then consider the fact also that it's not like a Mac. You know, you want to upgrade from even Snow Leopard to OS 10.9 Mavericks. You click install, you check the terms of service you agree to, it's all done, all right? You know, with upgrading from Windows XP to Windows 7, for example, you have to rebuild the hard drive. It's not an easy process. So for a small business, they're not going to bother until they have to. For a larger business, they have to test everything, and then deploy it on their network. Yep, It's not easy to do this, you know. So Microsoft is trying to force the issue. And they've done this before. Microsoft is saying now that they will end support for XP in April of this year. But they will still release security updates through July of 2015. Yep. What can I say? Yeah, well, can, I, it's the, yeah. That, that's the company that says they have all the right stuff in place. That's the new CEO who says they have the right stuff in place. Okay, so the question is here, knowing Microsoft has problems, you get up there and say it's a great company, we've got everything going fine, and yes, sales of business stuff, business services, software, going pretty well. But bing, 
The search engine is losing, what, billion or $2 a year? Bing, by the way, is one of the projects that the new CEO worked on. Mm-hmm. That's one of his babies. Not doing so well. Mm-hmm. So what do they do with Bing? Do they sell off Bing? And if you sell off Bing, then Microsoft has, then Google has no competitor anymore for search. Uh, yeah, I think that Microsoft can can afford to sit on uh, Bing for a while. I think, uh, for instance, it's it's inevitable that that Microsoft gets uh, Apple's business uh, for search entirely instead of just mostly as it is right now. Um, you know, and and there are. Um, the, there are definitely revenue opportunities uh, that go along with that. I mean, you know, it, the reality is is that Office and Windows both make so much money that they have long floated everything else that Microsoft does that doesn't make money. And that's not going to change anytime sooner, and, and it hasn't changed recently. And, in fact, it, it's part of the very problem. You know, you and I, Gene, we've, we've discussed the fact that, that of the uh, eighty or 90,000 employees that Microsoft has, some 30,000 of them are sales and marketing people. And, you know, the, the whole company is geared around selling Windows and Office. And that is a formula for stagnation, as we have seen now for the last three, four, five years, at, uh, at least in terms of te- stagnation, in terms of technology rather than revenues. And, you know, eventually that's going to catch up. And and I haven't seen yet, it's only been a couple of days, but I haven't seen yet any indication that Satya Nadella is willing to kill their babies so that they can bring new projects to market. In fact, I've read some people suggesting that Microsoft should coalesce to its core businesses and maybe dump the Xbox, sell it off. Okay, so if Microsoft were to concentrate more on software and services, would they produce, for example, a version of Office for the iPad and the iPhone. Some suggest that make more money that way than selling Surface tablets. Oh well, yeah, in that they lose lots of money selling Surface tablets. I absolutely agree. And the only reason why Microsoft hasn't uh, released a version of Office for the iPad is because they've wanted to use that as an artificial um, for people to to buy Surfaces, which has clearly been a failing strategy. Right. Well, if you look at the sales, they sold less than $900 million worth of Surface tablets in the last quarter. This is where Apple sold, what, like 11 point something billion dollars worth of iPads. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's got to be embarrassing. And now Microsoft, in addition to having the Surface tablet, they're taking over Nokia's handset division. Now, lest we forget, Nokia isn't doing so well. Mm-mm. So that you're taking over a hardware division with a product that you know nothing about, I guess yeah. to have a vertically integrated Windows phone. But then any other company who's building Windows phone products will say, oh, they're going to build it themselves? Why should I bother? I'm not doing that well right now. So basically, this could leave Windows phone only on Nokia hardware. That's the end of it for anybody else. And that's probably okay. I, I think that... Um I think the, the what Apple has shown us is that the best devices and the way to be the most profitable in smartphones is to sell whole widget devices. And the reality is is that Microsoft's Windows Phone partners right now are pretty lackluster anyway, even before this purchase of Nokia. So I, I don't know how much is really going to change with its partners. 
if Microsoft is able to somehow step it up and start making a smartphone that is compelling, they could probably take some uh, some uh, share away from from Android and maybe even make a little money doing so. I, I've got my doubts about their abilities to do so, but that's their only real hope there. And of course, you know that 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 also still leaves Nokia's razor thin mar- a margin business of of selling feature phones, which they still sell quite a few feature phones. They just don't make any money doing it. Well, also don't forget here that Microsoft receives royalty payments for patents that they allegedly own that impact Android. So the Android smartphone makers are paying Microsoft already. Now, how do you think here about? The fact that Google is dumping, as dumping, Motorola Mobility for a fraction of what they paid for it to Lenovo. Now, Lenovo makes really good PCs. No one denies that. But you can hardly call Lenovo a maker of sexy equipment. Well, as uh, my friend Nelson Muntz has been known to say, Uh it's to me, this sale of, of Motorola Mobility is is a joke i mean motorola i'm sorry google has lost a lot of money so let's see they spent 12 and a half billion dollars on the company they got a bunch of patents they spun off a cable set top business for 2.35 billion they're selling um uh what's left of motorola to uh, lenovo for um 2.91 billion so that's a that's less than five and a half billion. That's seven and a half billion dollars left on the table. They're keeping a bunch of patents. I think that the value of those patents is is pretty questionable, considering how ineffective they've been in uh, any of the uh, um, uh, Windows and Android and Apple and Android uh, related lawsuits. So, you know, to me, this 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 whole catastrophe with Motorola is just that it's a catastrophe. It's cost the company billions, and when it happened, everybody was was bending over backwards to talk about what a great thing it was, and which is just weird to me. The whole thing has been nothing but a catastrophe, and it's it's a black eye on Larry Page's uh, uh, resume. It's a black eye on Google. You know, it, when that sale happened, we were told at the time, especially by the Apple haters, of 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 how you know what a great sign of of Google's genius this purchase was. Brian Chaffin of the Mac Observer joining us. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. A little right, a little left, but always independent-minded. The Genesis Communications Network, GCN. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you'd like to listen to GCN programs on the go, I have great news. GCN has created a Droid and iPhone application, and it's free. Just as easy as going to GCNlive.com, click on the banner, and download. Before you know it, you'll be listening to your favorite hard-hitting GCN shows, live or on demand, right on your Droid or iPhone, 24-7 and on the go. So download the Droid and iPhone app free by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Thanks again for listening to GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. 
We the people grow cotton, weave fabric, engrave ink, embed strips and fibers to protect from counterfeit and carting to a private bank, having it lent back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Ted Anderson, I'm placing a free silver dollar in a book that explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. Now you can get the same survival food U.S. Special Forces use on their toughest field missions. High-protein, high-energy, freeze-dried foods known as long-range patrol rations or LERPs. Soldiers love LERP rations. They're lightweight and easy to carry. Easy to prepare by just adding water. Easy to enjoy because they taste great. Civilians love LERPs as a solution for emergency preparedness and recreational activities with limited storage space, such as hiking, climbing, sailing, or RV travel. Veteran-owned Freeze-Dry Guy is your exclusive source for this 2013 U.S. military overrun. Long on nutrition, these delicious entrees have a long shelf life, lasting decades. But this rare opportunity, this limited supply, will not last long. You have to act now. Call 866-404-3663, 866-404-FOOD. Or log on now to freezedryguy.com, freezedryguy.com. Welcome back to the Tech Night Out Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. But aren't they saying that now about Lenovo acquiring Motorola Mobility? And they're boasting, oh, we're going to sell more than Apple and Samsung. How about that? And did you notice also, very recently, Google made a intellectual property sharing deal with Samsung. And this comes after it looked like Samsung was distancing themselves from Android, coming out with their own software, setting up their own app service. So is this a way to bring Samsung back in there? They go to Samsung and say, we need you to stay with us and to be more enthusiastic about the platform, and we'll get rid of Motorola. It's it's possible. I mean, the reality is, is the you know where where else is Samsung going to go? You know, Samsung can't make software. They don't I mean they they can, but they do it poorly. Um, the proof is is has been on every single smartphone that they've sold, They're- especially the Galaxy S4, which has been, by the way, a pretty miserable failure. Yep. I mean, if you look at the estimates, they sold like nine million of them in the December quarter. Apple sold fifty-one million iPhones, but even the iPhone 5C, perceived as a failure, outsold the Galaxy S4, according to all the estimates I've seen. It's true. And yet, of course, you know, no one is singing Samsung's uh, obvious and impending demise. And, and yet we're, we're continually hearing that about Apple. Samsung has delusions of software relevance. I, I, I've talked about that before. And where else are they going to go? They don't have any other choices. They are lucky to have Android because their only other option is Windows Phone. And the system that they're working on with Intel, Tizen, hasn't been seen yet. And probably won't be. Probably won't be. And if it is, I predict it to be a failure. So, you know, I, I don't know how much Google really needed to to give to Samsung uh, to keep them in the fold. They don't have anywhere else to go. Oh, okay. So let's look at Lenovo, for example. So they're acquiring this pig in a poke. What do they do with it? 
Well, in theory, they're going to make smartphones and they're going to uh, surpass, quote unquote, uh, Apple and Samsung, which is kind of an LOL joke to me. You know, Lenovo, the money in the smartphone market is at the high end. Lenovo has no experience in the high end. Of course, they're buying some experience in terms of Motorola, but it remains to be seen if they can integrate that company into their culture. It remains to be seen how many of the Motorola's talented, quite frankly, talented designers and engineers. Uh, you know, so the, there, there are a lot of hurdles for that for that company to jump over to turn Motorola mobility into much of anything. I have my doubts about how that will work. I think that that what they're going to end up doing is they're going to be taking share away from Samsung, especially at the low end, not going to make a lot of money at it. You know, this is going to end up being just, you know, more of a joke. And remember here, there has to be a portion of time where they integrate those operations with their own. They build their own smartphones in Lenovo. So there has to be that time where development stops to a crawl while this is going on. Even Nokia going into Microsoft's hands, there's going to be some delays there. Integrating everything within the company, setting it up. They could lose, what, a year or so from that? Oh, easily. Easily. A major... Acquisitions like this often take two to three, four, five years to resolve. Who has the time? This industry is moving too fast. Yeah, I totally agree. Apple will end up disrupting that the same market with the next big thing before I think anything really comes to that. All right. So these people will be, what, operating on cruise control till next, praying, hoping that something's going to happen. But let's go back to the PC industry. And these are the problems that Satya Nadella is facing. Not just smartphones, where they're not doing very well. Not just a Surface tablet, where nobody cares. Not just search, where they're losing money. But now look at the PC industry and see where more consolidation is happening. So as I take it here, Sony is going to discontinue the VIO PC line, but sell off some of it to this Japanese company. So I guess you can buy VIOs in Japan, but nowhere else. Uh, yeah, at least in, at least initially. It's you know kind of kind of the end of an era for good-looking PCs, as far as I'm concerned. I think that uh, Vio has always been the only brand with, with any real style outside of Apple's um, uh, Mac line, especially in the portable side. But it is probably for the best that Sony do this. I think that the PC business is going to continue to shrink. Apple, at this point, owns the high end. There's no money being made in the low end. Again, same as smartphones. So it's probably a good thing for Sony that this happens, and I imagine that the, the Vio product name is going to end up fading away. I should go back to something I said with our previous guests, and that is I read this this week, that in the early 2000s, Steve Jobs tried to make a deal for Sony to sell Mac OS clones. He loved the company that much. And remember, the original PowerBook 100 the first credible notebook from Apple back in the early 90s, this is after the Macintosh Portable was absurd, that was supposedly built by Sony. Supposedly. Hmm. I hadn't heard that particular tidbit. I, I did know that Steve had approached them about selling uh, Mac clones. It's probably something that Sony should have done. I'm not sure how smart it would have been for uh, uh, Apple, considering Apple's success at being uh, Apple only in the last you know, 15 years. But... Um, it's uh, it, it, it certainly, things could have turned out differently, that's for sure. Well, you have to think of it this way, folks. And that is that Steve Jobs admired what Sony did. And Sony used to be the premier product line. The TVs were the style leaders. 
I don't know if they are anymore because you have so much of a rush to the bottom with TV sets. And they're spinning that off, by the way, as a separate division of the company. You have to wonder where Sony's going to go. In yeah. fact, people thought of Apple as the new Sony. Well, and, and, and Steve Jobs actually said he wanted to be the new Sony. He, he said that, do you remember when, when there was still, when there was first talk about Apple dropping the computer from the name, he said explicitly that, uh, that he considered Sony uh, Apple's model rather than, you know, Dell or HP or anything like that. All right, so who knows where that's going and what's going to happen with Sony after this. Indeed. Because even in TVs, you know, we don't think of Sony as TVs anymore. We think of Samsung. We think of LG. I wonder about Panasonic. They're exiting the plasma division. Right. So, you know, what's going to happen with Panasonic? So I don't know about Sony anymore. Vizio does very well with TVs. But Vizio is an American company that obviously builds everything overseas. And they're doing very well on TVs. Consolidation. But, you know, I was reading something earlier. I was doing a history of Motorola. This is before Motorola spun off Motorola Mobility, before it ended up in the hands of Google. Very interesting, Motorola. Of course, the original moon landing, they used Motorola communications equipment for the mm -hmm. astronaut to say one small step for a man, one large step for mankind, that kind of thing. They use Motorola. Motorola with the original wireless phones, once number one in the industry. They used to make Quasar TVs, which, by the way, they sold off to Panasonic. So Panasonic's TV line is descended from the Quasar TVs from Motorola. So, of course, Motorola shed its consumer division. They went back to doing industrial stuff. Okay, very interesting how that company has compressed. But maybe is that where Microsoft has to go? Do they have to go all out to adopt consumers? Or would they do better with software and services going forward? Uh, you know, it, it, it's really hard to know. I think that... I think that... The, the, um, you know, one of the things I tweeted this week was was asking the question of whether or not uh, Satya Nadella would be able to uh, come to the position of CEO without the inferiority complex about Apple that, frankly, hampered both Steve Ballmer and Bill Gates. And I, you know, I you, you've got these stories about about Bill Gates asking people, you know, what would Apple do. Whenever that, whenever there was a, a question about stuff, and of course, they, apparently they, they were never able to answer that question, um, judging by the products that they've released. Uh, but you know, when you, 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 the company's strategy has been so weird. This notion of Microsoft making its own tablets and still licensing um, Windows out to other tablet makers, and you know, none of none of them are selling. It, this the whole thing is just it, it's weird they they, they want to have their cake and eat it too and they want to be everywhere and it's just it's just a mess we'll have more about this mess in our next segment with brian chaffin i'm gene steinberg you're in the tech night out live <laughs> 
Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that too in Graphic Converter. Also print catalogs. Convert from so many formats I can't even list them. Download now to see if Graphic Converter is good for you, like one and a half million other users. Guess what? You could save money when you buy Graphic Converter. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL to get a special price for Graphic Converter. Go to LemkeSoft.com. That's L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. LemkeSoft.com. L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. Friends, this is Alex Jones for MidasResources.com. For more than 15 years, I have exclusively used Midas Resources for all my precious metal needs. Whether it's bullion or collectibles you're looking for, Midas Resources is simply the best. I own my gold as a hedge against inflation. This Federal Reserve fiat currency could go the way of the Deutschmark and the Weimar Republic anytime. In these historically dangerous times, it makes sense to physically hold gold and silver. Midas already has some of the best deals in the industry. But if you give them a call and mention the radio special, they will give you a list of the day's super specials. Midas brokers are standing by to answer all your questions at 800-686-2237. They also have a lot of informative free literature explaining the opportunities and risk of holding precious metals. They are ready to answer your questions at 800-686-2237. Again, that's 800-686-2237. We all know that Berkey Water Purification Systems are the most trusted name in water filtration. As an authorized Berkey dealer for over six years in serving thousands of satisfied customers, the Berkey Guy offers amazing specials for Berkey Water Filtration Systems. The Berkey Light Systems include a set of self-sterilizing and recleanable black purification elements that purify water by removing chlorine, pathogenic bacteria, cysts and parasites to non-detectable levels and remove harmful chemicals such as herbicides and pesticides. Order the Berkey Light System today complete with two black Berkey elements for only $231 and the Berkey Guy will ship your order free of charge. With the purchase of a Berkey Light, the Berkey Guy is also offering a set of fluoride and arsenic filters for only $39.99. That's over 30% off the retail price. Call the Berkey Guy at 1-877-886-3653. That's 1-877-886-3653. Or order online at GoBerkey.com. That's GoBerkey.com today. There are many things the human body can do very well, but maintaining the proper pH level isn't always one of them. That's where AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops can make a world of difference. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops helps your body do what's natural. Just a few drops a day helps rid your body of harmful waste and acid while promoting health and restoring vibrance and energy. Alkalizing boosts your immune system and can help fight headaches, irritability, cramping, and insomnia. Alkalizing also helps the body fight depression and even bone loss. To learn more, 
about the importance of alkalizing and how you can find life-changing and vital balance, please visit AlkaVision's brand new website at AlkaVision.com. Same great products, but now easier to use and more informative than ever before. To get your very own plasma pH drops for just $29.95, call 800-518-7615 or visit AlkaVision.com. That's A-L-K-A-Vision.com. Alkalize your body and supercharge your health at the new AlkaVision.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, please send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. If you'd like to discuss today's show with fellow Night Owls, visit our community forums at forum.technightowl.com. That's forum.technightowl.com. So we have all these companies doing things that don't work out well, but when Apple has decent financials, record sales, that's bad. Well, the, are you talking about the, the last, uh, uh, the December quarterly earnings that were announced and the subsequent sell-off? Well, that's part of it, and that's a big part of it, because it looks like Apple can't do anything to please Wall Street anymore. Well, that, that's true, but and I should actually even say that there's nothing that Apple is. You say can't do anything, but they're just not doing anything. I mean, the reality is is that while Apple turned in another record quarter, um, the company announced two major iPhone deals: Docomo in Japan and China Mobile in China. And China Mobile, of course, is the world's largest cell phone provider. They've got like 700 and some odd million customers. Completely crazy. Now, most of those customers aren't 3G smartphone users by any stretch of the imagination, but the point is they have a lot of customers. And we've been waiting for this forever. We've been waiting for this forever, and then forever some more. And you know, there's been all this speculation about when it's going to happen. Apple finally puts the deal together, and then they guide flat for this quarter. So they finally have access to all these customers at Docomo and all these customers at China Mobile, and yet they're guiding flat year over year. That is a legitimate area of concern for Wall Street, who doesn't value a company so much on what they just did, but what they expect that company to do. And I believe that the sell-off was was a rational reaction to Apple's guidance. I guess they expect more sales for those products in subsequent quarters. Just starting with China Mobile, you don't expect to have a big rollout like you do in the U.S. Mayhaps. And if Apple guides accordingly... Uh, Wall Street will reward the company uh, with a higher valuation. And remember that Apple is still one of the the world's top two most valuable companies. So it's not like Wall Street completely disregards Apple. But at the same time, it's also true that, that Wall Street does not understand Apple. Wall Street still thinks about things like market share when, you know, because we've had this whole Microsoft-centric view of the PC industry for so long. And, uh, you know, there are definitely, there's a disconnect between Wall Street and Apple. But when Apple guides flat year over year, um, the stock being punished should not be a surprise. Here's the thing, too. When you ask Tim Cook what's happening, basically repeats the same mantra. Well, we've got some great products this year, some new product categories, and that's fine. But don't you think there's a point where Wall Street says, okay, that's nice. You've said this thing 475 times already. How about telling us something new? Right. Wall Street can ask that, of course, and Apple's going to announce when they want to announce. But I believe, Gene, that we will see new stuff this year. I think that this is the year that it's going to happen. I think we'll get at least one, maybe even two 
new product categories, um, the some, something in wearables first and foremost, and then possibly a bigger play in the TV space. All right, let's talk about the iWatch space here. Okay, so looking at the iWatch, now, obviously, existing smartwatches haven't done all that tremendously well. I mean, I guess you can say the Pebble is successful for a small company. For a small company, absolutely. Sell a few hundred thousand copies of something, you're a tiny little bitty company, fine. Apple, that's chump change. If they can't do that in two days, it's not very good. Right. All right. I guess the two questions we have here is the market. Is there a market for a so-called smartwatch? Well, there is, I think, a market for something on the wrist that does something that we don't do today. And I, you know, I think when a lot of people look at these rumors about Apple and they, they look at all the hints that Apple gives us about a smartwatch and they basically think of a Pebble device or they basically think of, of uh, you know, it's, it's a better version of, of what the Galaxy Gear is. But I, I think that it would actually be a lot more appropriate to consider this in terms of Apple showing us something new that we don't already do and we don't already know about. That's what Apple does. And it's going to sit on the on the wrist. I think Tim Cook, with his Cook code, made that actually it wasn't even Cook code. He said quite explicitly, "We're very. I'm very interested in the wrist. I think uh, the, the wrist is an interesting space, is what he said. And something is going to come out. It's going to sit on, our, on the wrist and it's going to do something that we didn't realize we needed to do. And it's not going to be like Dick Tracy talking into his picture phone. Probably not, although that could be that could be added functionality. It, it, it's it's hard to know, but you know the the biggest hint we have is this incredible roster of health and fitness experts that Apple has been hiring over the last year. Explain this to our listeners. They don't follow all this inside baseball. Apple has made some hires that have been public that indicate something is afoot in the wearable space. Explain. Well, so Apple has hired um, fitness experts, uh, health experts, sensor experts. They just hired a sleep expert. And, and we're talking about people. We're not just talking about like, you know, like some dudes and some ladies. And we're talking about top scientists in their fields. The, the, the app, Apple has spent a lot of money, not a lot of money for Apple, but a lot of money for, uh, for, the, for this industry segment. And, and they are assembling this seemingly incredible team of people. They hired the fellow from uh, Yves Saint Laurent, uh, Mr. Um, Deneuve, who has uh, uh, got a, a lot of uh, experience uh, marketing um, uh, jewelry and, and fashion. Uh, they've hired a couple people from Nike, and then they've got all these health and fitness experts, now this sleep expert. And these are just the people we know about. You know, Apple doesn't announce these hires. They did announce the Deneuve hire from Yves Saint Laurent because that was a very high-profile hire. But they don't announce when they hire a chief scientist from Philips Research, which is uh, what I think his name was Roy Raymond uh, from, uh, from Philips, um, who is, again, one of the top sleep scientists in the world. It's really, really interesting to me. I mean, I, I, I think we've also gotten some hints in the past uh, in, in Cook Code um, 
talking about like the you know the the way uh, the, the Nike uh, fuel band uh, uh, monitors you. I, I, I these are definitely going to be some features that are going to be incorporated in this wearable device. Now we should explain a cook code means basically the way he speaks, but more or less is taking him literally. Whatever he says, there's some element of truth in there. It's not something where he's saying something that's market speak and it's misleading. Yeah, it, it, it goes It's kind back. of the reverse of what you think it should be. Right. You know, um, Steve Jobs was, was pretty infamous for, for lying, you know, like saying that Apple wasn't going to do video on the iPod because, quote unquote, it's about the music stupid. And he's, of course, channeling Bill, uh, Bill Clinton there. And, of course, it was six months later that Apple released the uh, iPod video. You know, so Steve Jobs had this had this sort of way of like, you know, giving the the industry misdirection. And Tim Cook does this completely different thing. And and the first time I noticed it was when he talked about the smartphone and he talked about netbooks and he talked about how these in-between devices didn't make any sense and the customers didn't like them and that they thought that Apple, uh, that that the customers were already using the iPhone. This was in the early days of the iPhone. We'll get into more of this in a moment with... Brian Schaffen of the Mac Observer. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Now Live. Independently leading the way for the nation. Compelling talk for every political persuasion. We are GCN. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. If you owe the IRS back taxes, listen carefully. Sweeping changes to IRS policies will help more people than ever eliminate their tax debts once and for all. And now I can help you reduce or eliminate your tax debts and end your tax nightmare. Hi, I'm Dan Pilla. I've helped thousands of people reduce and eliminate tax debts they couldn't pay. And after more than 30 years of experience dealing with the IRS, I can tell you there's no such thing as a hopeless tax case. And with the IRS's new policies, it's easier than ever to put your tax debt behind you once and for all. Call now at 800-346-6829 to learn how I can help you. You know your IRS debt will not go away by itself, but you don't have to live in fear anymore. Call 800-346-6829. Learn how I can help you eliminate wage and bank levies, release tax liens, and negotiate a settlement with the IRS that will put your tax nightmare behind you forever. Call 800-34-NO-TAX or go to TaxHelpOnline.com. That's TaxHelpOnline.com. 
great news, pure water lovers. BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com has a special discount offer for all GCN listeners. You can't do better than a Big Berkey for economy. For only 1.7 cents a gallon, a single set of filters can last for 5 to 10 years. There's none better than a Big Berkey for emergency preparedness as a backup water source. And you just can't beat a Big Berkey to remove dangerous chlorine, all types of fluoride, pathogenic bacteria, cysts, parasites, and unhealthy byproducts from municipal water. Berkey water filter systems are even powerful enough to purify stagnant pond water. For the gold standard in water filters, get a Big Berkey at BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. And all GCN listeners get 5% off all ceramic filter systems. For details, call 1-877-99-BERKEY. That's 877-99-BERKEY. Big Berkey Water Filters, for the love of clean water. It's no secret that silver is one of the oldest known natural antibiotics, but the mainstream media will never tell we the people this information. Why? Many drug companies and politicians have dangerous alliances that manipulate the way we live by prescribing drugs that only manage disease, keeping us dependent on big pharma. And with Obamacare at our doorstep, we are now forced into a system that many of us do not want any part of. And no man or government has the right to dictate how we as free people choose to take care of our health. The patriots at utopiasilver.com hold this truth dear. Colloidal and ionic silver supplements from utopiasilver.com open the door to a whole new world of natural healing for the body and the mind. Visit utopiasilver.com and discover the safe and effective health benefits of colloidal and ionic silver. Call 888-213-4338. 888-213-4338 and talk to the patriots at utopiasilver.com, a leading source of natural healing using colloidal silver, colloidal gold, minerals, vitamins and herbs. utopiasilver.com. What are you listening to? The Tech Night Isle Live with Gene Steinberg. What's going to happen next? You never know. Brian Chaffin of the Mac Observer joins us. We're focusing here on what Apple says about what Apple's doing and about Cook Code compared to Steve Jobs' reality distortion field where he says one thing but he quite often meant another. Yeah. What, one, of the, one of the earliest things that, that Tim Cook said about the iPhone was that, that we see people already uh, using the iPhone in a way that, that, that they used to use a product like the netbook, and we think that that form factor uh, is really interesting. And he said all these things that, that um, I, I pat myself on the back. I, I said that Tim Cook is telegraphing that they're going to release an, an, uh, an iPod SuperTouch. And that's precisely what the iPad is. It's a large iPod touch. It's a very interesting and precise way that he speaks. And the information that he gives is it's, it, it's there. And most people seem to ignore it. Well, they ignore it because they don't want to really believe that Apple is telling you they won't make cheap junk. Correct. He's too direct to say anything but what he really means. Because they're used to Steve Jobs, and they figure Steve Jobs, well, he's just faking it. Right, right. And, and he is very explicit at times. But the, when it comes to hinting about new products, he's always very indirect. And you can always see what he meant after the fact once, once Apple actually does what it was that he was hinting at. And, uh, and it's really interesting. I love studying the way he speaks and what he says. Other examples. Any other examples where he said something that's manifested itself in a new product. Now, obviously, 
his hints were pretty direct about the upgrade for the Mac Pro. He didn't say it's going to be a tube or a cylinder or whatever it is, but he said, look, we're coming up with something really different. Here it is. Yep, he did that. Two areas that we don't yet have the proof in the pudding would be TVs, where he said that Apple was very interested in the television space. And uh, and then again in wearables, where he uh, discounted the idea of glasses, uh, i.e. Google Glass, saying that he didn't think that that was something that, that many people would be interested in, and specifically said um, that he that he's very interested in the rest. So, you know, the, the, those two areas are where I'm watching this year, and uh, um, I, I, we're definitely going to get something on the wearable side. The, the TV stuff is still up in the air. All right. So if you're designing the iWatch, what does the iWatch courtesy of Brian Chaffin look like? <laughs> well, it doesn't look as good as anything with an Apple logo. Um, I would want it to certainly communicate with my iPhone. And I would want it to certainly monitor uh, me in terms of you know, doing things like the Fitbit does, doing stuff that the, the various sleep tracking devices can do, probably even doing some prognostication and, 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 and letting me know that I've been sitting at my desk too long, you know, is make it as interactive as I might possibly want it to be, and to have relevant information sent to my phone. And, and that's one of the things that I think Samsung missed so badly with the Galaxy Gear is they did stuff because they could, which is what Samsung always does. And instead, this wrist device should only do the things that it needs to, that I actually want it to do, that I, would act, that I could possibly want it to do. Now, one thing I wonder here is how much can it do without having to mate with your iPhone? Because I think one of the problems right now you have with these wearables is they don't do much of anything if you forget to take your smartphone with you. Um, that is true. And I don't, I don't, you know, how many people forget their iPhones? It's, that's, that's the first question. But, um, I, I, and there's probably a limitation of things that it can do without a, without a, um, a phone with it in the wild because just from a from a space issue. Well, obviously, whatever Apple does, it's going to have to involve quite a bit of miniaturization that they haven't even done already. And I guess the other question would be, does Apple do things with the band, the watch band? Apple certainly could. Uh, Apple is certainly capable of putting the battery in the band, for instance. Uh, I don't I don't know if that's physically doable yet, but if it is doable, then Apple's going to probably do it first. But you would expect there to be extra sensors included in the band. You know, Apple is unique in its ability to utilize all the space that that they need to utilize. So, um, you know, like it, it, predicting exactly what they're going to do is so hard because the thing that they do best is is the stuff that we don't know that we want. So we can't predict it. We can only try a lot of different possibilities. Yeah. We can look at the people that they're hiring. We know there's going to be health and fitness applications. Okay. Apple TV. Now, in our previous segment, we were talking about what's happening in the TV industry. The 3D is going the way of the dodo. That they're pushing the heck, and that other word, out of 4K Ultra HD. Yep. 
Apple supports Ultra HD. Mac Pro runs, what, three 4K monitors at the same time. The MacBook Pro with Retina Display, the 2013 edition, supports 4K video. Obviously, that's for video editors. But I see a commitment there. So does Apple produce a 4K TV set or not? I, For the longest time, I thought that Apple would want to do a television set, mainly because a television set gives them more revenue opportunities. It's a, you know, you, 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 if you sell enough TVs, you can move the needle on revenues, even for a company the size of, of Apple. Um, I've kind of gone back and forth on that between them doing, you know, more of a super, super Apple TV set top box, you know, something that does a lot more than the current, um, Apple TV set top box. I, the, the, the problem with the television thesis the television set thesis is that there does tend to be a race towards the bottom and uh, margins tend to be razor thin. Of course, the same thing is true in PCs, and yet Apple has the fattest margins by far in the entire industry. So the question is whether or not Apple can make a television set so compelling that we would be willing to pay um, the kind of margins that 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 make Apple what it is. And I don't know the answer to that yet, but I'm kind of hopeful. So you'd like to see the Apple 55 or 60-inch TV set for maybe 1500 or $2,000, which puts it a level above normal TVs. Now, according to our friend from the NPD group, the average price of a new TV set is under $500. It's 400 something So if Apple's selling a TV set for 1500 or 2000 it's not super expensive and certainly not expensive compared to what we used to pay for large screen TVs. But it would, I guess, leave a decent profit for Apple. Yeah, it certainly, it certainly could. Um, the question, of course, is how long that would be sustainable. Uh, you know, people have talked about um, the upgrade cycle for TVs being so much slower and that that would be a problem for Apple. I actually disagree with that. I think that what would happen in the TV space is that people would uh, move their first Apple TV to the, you know, the den, the kids' room, the, uh, the living room, the bedroom, and that, you know, we would see TVs percolate down to the rest of the house rather than out to, you know, to, to, to be resold or, or, you know, reused in some other manner. And, and I think that that, that leaves plenty of uh, upgrade potential for Apple. Um, you know, the, the possibilities are there. It just remains to be seen if they can do it. And it also remains to be seen whether or not they can get the content deals they, they need to make any bigger foray into television possible. Well, the question would be here is, is it all about a pretty interface and content, exclusive content? Because otherwise, it's a TV set, and how many different kinds of TV sets can you make? You have 4K, you have LCD because plasma went the way of the dodo. It's not going to be OLED because OLED technology is still too early in the game. And so it's not going to happen. Apple doesn't do that. They wait till technologies are ready. We're ready to have one more segment with our friend Brian Chaffin, who is not imitating the new CEO of Microsoft. But I'll never say never. He may surprise me someday. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Great 
minds think alike. The network for the independent-minded. The Genesis Communications Network. GCN. Neighbors, are you tired of dealing with a slow web hosting provider? Well, check out A2 Hosting and their screaming fast Swift server platform. They even have SSDs that load pages 300% faster than the competition. Ready to give your site a speed boost? Well, tell you what, neighbors, head on over to a2hosting.com. That's A2, that's number two, a2hosting.com. Check out their Prime Hosting account. And get this, neighbors, they're even giving you an exclusive 25% off discount for all our listeners. 25%. And remember, their Guru Crew support team is standing by 24-7, 365 days a year to answer any of your questions. Now, to get the discount, use the coupon code GENE when you check out. We live in a complicated society. Stressful issues are always popping up. Have you ever been treated unfairly by someone? Have you ever been overcharged for a repair? Have you ever signed a contract or a document worried about identity theft? How many times have you been in those unique situations where you just wanted to call an attorney to find out if you're right or wrong or what your legal rights are? But every time you think about calling an attorney, what do you think about first? That's right. Who do you call and how much will it cost? Our friends at Legal Shield have found a solution. With a nationwide network of 6,900 attorneys who average 19 years of experience, Legal Shield's law firms take over 40,000 calls per week helping their members. For less than $20 per month, you can have access to Legal Shield on everything from the trivial to the traumatic. Let Legal Shield stand up for your rights at lsprotection.com. That's lsprotection.com. Or call 855-340-SAVE, 855-340-7283. Do you owe the IRS money that you can't pay? Are tax liens and levies ruining your life? Are you tired of being afraid just to go to the mailbox? If this describes you, then Dan Pilla can help. Hi, I'm Dan Pilla, and I've been solving tax problems for more than 30 years. In fact, I wrote the book that made it possible to negotiate settlements with the IRS, and I've helped thousands of people do exactly that. Call now at 800-346-6829 to learn how I can help you. You know your IRS debt will not go away by itself, but you don't have to live in fear anymore. New changes to IRS policies will help more people than ever before eliminate their debts once and for all. There's no need for you to suffer another day with IRS debt. Call 800-346-6829. I can help you eliminate wage and bank levies, release tax liens, and negotiate a settlement with the IRS that will put your tax nightmare behind you forever. Call 800-34-NO-TAX or go to my website, TaxHelpOnline.com. That's TaxHelpOnline.com. A little over a year ago, I began to do a lot of research into why, even though I had a pretty good-sized meal, that I was still starving. And my research led me to a well-known fact that most of the soils that we grow our crops on here in the United States and across the industrialized world are almost completely depleted of almost all of the key minerals and trace elements that our bodies need to rebuild themselves, fight off cancer, and be healthy. I then searched out the best vitamin and mineral company out there and discovered Longevity. The Longevity products are designed to give you the real nutrition you need, and once you've got that, you don't have to eat as much to be satisfied. I've lost 37 pounds in two months. 
simply getting the vitamins and minerals I need. Check it out for yourself. It's incredible. Go to InfoWarsTeam.com today and order your first canister of Beyond Tangy Tangerine Complete Multivitamin Mineral Complex Dietary Supplement. That's InfoWarsTeam.com. You're listening to the Tech Night Owl Live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next. I love to put this guy on the spot. I swore to our listeners, you will never, ever try to imitate the new CEO of Microsoft. Maybe the next one. Uh, it is very doubtful. He he does have a he he does have a peculiar way of talking, and it's not his accent. He has almost no Indian accent whatsoever. Um, he has a weird uh, a weird cadence, and he's very very energetic. and And I, I I found that interesting. I don't know that I'll be trying to imitate it. You have to take what he takes. <laughs> Maybe. You know that may be the answer. There, he takes something that's really special. Okay, so maybe an Apple TV, but differentiating the product again would be something like the interface and the content, but you don't need a TV for that. You can do that with an expanded or souped up Apple TV set-top box. So why not that? Well, the big reason to do the television set again is, is moving the needle on revenues. And I believe that that is something that Tim Cook wants to show the world that he can do, that he can move the needle on revenues for Apple, even though Apple is already huge massive company but that's decidedly what steve jobs would not do isn't it it's all about motivation i I, i'm not saying that tim cook i'm not saying that tim cook is going to do something just to make money i'm saying that that well i guess that is what i was saying so i withdraw it okay so would he do something like that would he produce a tv set just to make money or to deliver something in the tv space that all these other companies are failing to deliver. Well, that's that's the thing. I, I think that Tim Cook has remained very, very committed to the idea of um, releasing great products for the right reasons. And uh, if they can do that with the television set, giddy up. And if they can do that with the set-top box, giddy up. Um, I think that they will end up doing the thing that makes the most sense at the time. Okay. Well, we're going to see if Apple does it, but... What about the Apple TV set-top box? Some people here are talking about the possibility of adding support for gaming consoles. Make it into a game machine. Go this direction from the Xbox One. Yeah, well, if Apple allowed us to run apps, apps that were installed by I me, mean, you already do run apps, you know, the, the Netflix app, the, uh, the, uh, the Hulu app, um, you can already run apps on the device, but there's not a marketplace for those apps. You know, Apple is absolutely controls which apps are on the Apple TV. If Apple were to expand storage and allow us to run apps, including gaming, uh, obviously games, then yeah, it could be an interesting and casual uh, gaming device. It, I don't, I don't know that it would be serious competition for. Uh, high-end gaming on the Xbox and uh, uh, and the PlayStation, but it would certainly be a great casual gaming platform. Now, one of the things I worry about here with the current Apple TV is they're adding more and more of these apps or channels, and we're getting more and more offerings. That's good. 
But if you're sitting there, and I was looking at the way they set it up with Roku, which has like a thousand channels, most of which you never heard of and don't care about. If you have all these apps, it doesn't provide a unified experience because you still have to go into each app, launch that app, use its peculiar interface. It's not integrated into the system. So ultimately, doesn't Apple want to find a way so the TV viewer can just get all this content, but not to scroll through 89 apps to get there? Well, certainly, you know, Steve Jobs said, in, uh, as quoted by Walter Isaacson, uh, we crack the code. That's, that, that was on, on, on talking about doing a connected TV. And um, by the way, that is not obviously the current code, would it be? Correct. Yeah, that's just it. I don't think Apple wants to tip its hand until they're actually ready to make a big move. They can't tip their hand until they're ready to make a big move. Right. So what you expect is not going to be what's there already. Correct. It should so be if you much make more. that assumption, you're wrong. Yes. It should be much more than what we have today in the Apple TV. So is that the key that Apple finds a way to integrate all 89 apps or whatever they're running? And the other thing is here, which is a problem for me and everyone else, how does Apple address it or do they? How do you handle multiple peripherals to your TV? I mean, if someone has a TV set, maybe they do have the Xbox. And Apple may want to discourage that, but then people who buy the set-top box and expect to have a unified interface, they're still going to use the Blu-ray player. They're still going to have a gaming console, whatever make. They're going to have a separate audio system. They're going to have all this stuff, and we go back to the same problem already, which is how do we integrate the entire experience? It's not just the TV set. It's not just a set-top box. Uh, it's true, and that that is that is the thing that has so far failed every company, and it's why Apple has an opportunity in this space, and we don't know how they're going to to do that. And again, that's why Apple has the opportunity. So you think it's going to be probably both a TV and a box? That would, to me, make the most sense for Apple to have its own brand of TV and and to also have an expanded set top box. Um, that way they can basically be everywhere in a way that still leaves them in control. Um, but it's, you know, it's, it's, it's just hard to know until, I, but I don't know, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Right. Well, that, that leaves you, what that leaves you with here is Apple has the set top box for those who don't want to sell their current set. And Apple provides a special TV set, a higher end model for those who do. So they get it from both ways or both ends. Correct. And hopefully we'll know this by the fall. And you see, yeah. here's the area, too. Apple has to have something in the works because we start getting to summer or fall. If Apple hasn't introduced anything but refreshes, Wall Street is going to freak. The media is yeah. going to freak. It's true. I, I do believe that from a standpoint of uh, uh, proof in the pudding that this is a key year for Apple and I do believe very strongly that we're going to see something this calendar year. All right. And then what will Wall Street say? Oh, they will say it's still not good enough. It's too late. It's too little. Apple will not be able to penetrate the market. But they said that about everything Apple ever produced. The iPod? Ah, who's going to buy that overpriced MP3 player? iPhone is overpriced. Who needs that? We can all buy our Blackberries. Oh, the iPad, as you say, an oversized 
iPod Touch. Who cares about that? That's true. And, of course, it uh, turned out that uh, we the people cared about it. And uh, I believe that... Um, I believe that, that, that the next new product category that Apple introduces is going to get a, a similar reaction that people are going to suddenly wonder how they've lived without it, which is how we feel about our smartphones and our tablets today. That's the thing that made me buy the iPhone. I got a review sample from Apple, and I sat with it for a couple of nights, and I said, you know what? I got to get my email every night, and it was a royal pain to take out my MacBook Pro or something, big thing. I got this little tiny device. I understand the limitations of then a three and a half inch screen, but I could send quick messages like I do with you when I book you for the show. I'm probably using my iPhone. It now replaced my MacBook Pro for the nighttime use. I don't have to bring it into the bedroom anymore. I just keep it next to me. Or if I want to learn something more about a TV show, I look it up. I look up the information from the international movie database. You know, very good. So it was a product I didn't think I'd need till I got one. Okay, Brian Chaffin, tell our listeners where they can find more of the stuff you do. Well, I'm uh, the editor at or an editor at the Mac Observer. That's MacObserver.com. You can find my personal blog at geekdales.com. You can find us on Twitter, which has lost some money, so I wonder how long Twitter's gonna be here. They lost money. But you can still find us there. We're known as Tech Night Owl. That's Tech Night Owl. You can also find us now not just on the GCN radio network, but the Boost radio network and another network soon for streaming. Another one, too. We're getting out there, aren't we? You also check out our other radio show about UFOs and things that go bump in the night. We'll feature a scientist, Dr. Bruce McAbee, who will tell you about the UFO photos he's analyzed that may represent something that's real. Paracast.com. That's Paracast.com. Here on the Tech Night Owl Live, Brian Chaffin, thanks for joining us on the show. Thanks for having me, Gene. The Tech Night Owl Live is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. We'll be back next week. Same bad time, same bad channel.